And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And back from Europe, it's Christine Steimer. Oh my god. Hi. Hi. Did you miss me? Of course we missed you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How was your trip? It was oh, good. Oh. Oh, I was going to say, I've told you, I think, like, at least ten times since I've seen you, how much I've missed you and your little have snarky you? remarks. Have I have. you? I have. In the bathroom? I remember once. Okay, ten times twice. It was twice. <laughs> it was twice. I was exaggerating. I was trying to be funny. And you called me. See, this is exactly why I miss you. Gone are the sunshine Someone's going to call you out on your shit. The know. awkward <laughs> jokes are back, everybody. Um, but in seriousness, we did miss you. We're glad that you're back. And all three of us are together. If you guys are watching at youtube.com slash what's good games, you can see that we are in the same room doing our final shoot together in my weird office setup that yeah. I have going on here. I like the couch. This though. couch is super cute. It's very Thanks. soft. I looked and looked and looked for the right couch. And when I saw this one, I was like, ooh, it's pink and gold. Done. Nail it. Let's go. Yeah, it spoke to me. So I really like it. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, smooth. very soft. I feel, okay, for those of you listening, it's like the hide of a Clefairy. <gasps> That's what I imagine it would feel like. Ooh. Do you know what a Clefairy is? I yeah. don't. It's a beautiful fairy type Pokemon. And it's pink. And it's pink. Velvet. And fluffy. I like Claire. Although Clefairy not really head. fluffy, but the tail looks like it could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Cool. You skinned a Clefairy, you monster. Uh, oh my gosh, please. <laughs> um, anyway, we are glad that you guys are joining us, whether it's episode one or episode 132. Oh we my are God. That you're so here. Oh, no. I know. 132 weeks of what's good games. Wow. It's a lot of weeks, right? You need to get a life. What? That was a joke. It was a bad, awkward joke. I was. I just wanted to get a reaction out of you. We all know how this episode is going to oh, go. It's going to be a shit show. And we're glad that you guys are here for it. Um, a little bit of housekeeping before we get started with the news. We did our Patreon exclusive streams yesterday. Uh, we hope that you guys joined us. But if you didn't, you can, of course, watch the archives by finding those links at patreon.com slash what's good games. We finished Man of Madan, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, and we answered your questions in our happy hour Q&A. Um, it was great. I'm just going to call it. It's going to be great. <laughs> it was great. It's going to be a good old time. If you can't tell, we are shooting this episode before the streams actually happened. Yeah. So we're just predicting. Well, I'm predicting. It's going to be um, a good time. Yes. That we know for sure. Yeah. Like locked in. Locked and loaded. I also guessed it on friend of the show, Naomi Kyle's show. 
last week in gaming. So she used to do the show on her YouTube channel, and now she is partnering up with Caffeine TV, and I went to her studio, and we recorded it live. But if you missed it live, you can catch it on Naomi's YouTube channel, of course, youtube.com slash Naomi Kyle. And we talked about all kinds of things. We talked about um, how What's Good Games got started. We talked about working in the industry. We talked about work-life balance with uh, your partner, all kinds of fun stuff. So you guys can check that out and uh, make sure you let Naomi know that What's Good Games sent you. And we'll be doing our Patreon-sponsored Mythic Patron segment at the end of the show. I believe we're talking about Thanksgiving foods. Thanksgiving food and our favorite console launches. Ooh. Mm. That nice little treat together. Mm. Spoilers, it wasn't this week. Um, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you to this month's <laughs> Patreon producers, Alex Argopoulos, Chewy's Godson, Ferris Atain, Muhammad Muhammad, and welcome to our Patreon community, Emilio Cruz, Richie, Taylor Haynes, Anakin, JMT. Okay, hold on. I put this together and I was very tipsy last night, so let me just make sure that's the proper spelling, but that's, continue on. Okay. I would laugh if it wasn't. Andrew Bittner, John, Alyssa Loomer, Michael Amsden, and Dean Horton. Welcome to patreon.com slash what's good games where you can support everything that we do here um and in case you missed it we have been under construction on a new studio so if you guys want to help us fund that new studio patreon is the best place to do that okay it uh, is anakin jmt would you think that J- jmt stands for something it could or it could just be anakin jmt mm, maybe that's it anakin skywalker your only hope I know that's not right. Don't that's, hurt me. No, don't definitely. Hurt me. I know. Anakin is not the it's hope. Obi Wan Kenobi, like we met in Destiny Two last night. Um, I was showing Brittany Destiny Two on Stadia, which we're going to be talking about later on in the show, and I ran into somebody named Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <gasps> Amazing. Also, now I want a cannoli. <laughs> um, I got a kick out of it, and I took a bunch of I took a bunch of photos, uh, screenshots, because I was just like, oh my god, your screen name is so funny. Um, all right. Let's get into the news, shall we? But before we do that, I have to tell you, it's brought to you by Logitech. And we are featuring one of their fancy, brand new Pro X headsets that I believe Steimer has right over here. I'm going to Vanna White this. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's actually... You guys, the, the weight of this is is really nice because it's not as heavy as a lot of the really chunky headsets are. So when I put it on, it feels much more comfortable to wear for longer periods of time because we've all been there when we've been wearing a gaming headset for too long. Your head starts to hurt, but you're still playing or um, you don't want to take it off. And you don't have that problem with the Pro X. So let me get tell you guys a little bit about it. So it's designed in collaboration with and for pro gamers for advanced comms and precision audio. This is the first Logitech G headset to feature the Blue Voice microphone technology. It gives you the choice of real-time voice filters to reduce noise, add compression and de-essing, and ensure that your voice sounds richer, cleaning, and more professional. Mm. A little aside, we use a special de-esser compression um, filter in our What's Good Games audio edits every week. Guessing is is great. Anyway, continuing on. Feature soft memory foam ear pads wrapped in premium leatherette or breathable velour to keep you comfortable no matter how long the game goes on. So it comes with an, uh, the velour set so you can swap them out if leatherette isn't your thing. Pro X has some serious next-gen surround sound. And the version 2.0 takes 7.1 channel surround sound further than ever with enhanced bass rendering, audio clarity, and proximity cues. And most importantly, a new level of distance awareness differentiates between near-field and far-field audio so you can pinpoint your enemy's location more quickly and accurately than ever. 
Pro X joins a complete set of Logitech gear, Logitech G gear, developed in close collaboration with top esports pros. With Logitech G's most advanced tech and focused design, nothing gets in the way of winning. Whoa! For a limited time, Logitech G is offering What's Good Games listeners 10% off their products at LogitechG.com. you got to use that promo code What's Good for 10% off today. That's 10% off all Logitech G products if you purchase from LogitechG.com with the promo code What's Good. Don't forget that promo code What's Good. It's important. Uh, we're big fans of Logitech G products. We've been working with Logitech since What's Good Games launched, so it's really exciting to work with them as, a, as an official sponsor. Um, the camera that we're using right now to record the show is a Logitech Brio. The keyboard that I have on the production desk is a Logitech G uh, wireless keyboard. So we love Logitech stuff. Did you have something you would like to add? No, I was trying to get the camera to refocus. To, to focus. <laughs> yeah. This is the one um, the one issue when you have multiple people in front of a, a 4K camera. It's like, who do I focus on first? Me. Um, <laughs> well, obviously. Look how my arm looks broken. It's is that. it because of the way your elbow bends? Yeah. It's all like weird. Look at that. Anyway. Fun facts. It just looks like you're waiting for the internet to high five you. Steimer is holding up her hand to the camera to try to get it to pop into focus. And uh, if you want to see it, youtube.com slash what's good games. Subscribe. Okay. So this week, you may have seen that the Game Awards have announced their nominees oh. for 2019. I want to remind everybody that What's Good Games is proud to be a member of the voting jury for the Game Awards. We submitted our nominations. And sadly, a lot of things we nominated didn't make the cut, which is a first. Because I feel like when we've nominated in years past, um, we align pretty similarly with what the nominees kind of net out at. But this year was a wild year. Yeah. So, uh, Brittany, you want to... Or it wasn't because Outer Wilds got the shaft. Outer Wilds? I mean, they did get the... No. Outer Wilds did get the shaft. They got a couple noms, but not as much as I think a lot of people were hoping they would get. Okay, so in case you weren't aware, you can go to thegameawards.com slash nominees and log in using Facebook and Twitter, and you can vote for your game of choice. Right. Or you can just go to Google and search for TGA vote, and you can also vote that way. And the voting ends December 11th at 6 p.m. Pacific. Okay. So, obviously, we can't go through all these because we'd be here 30 days and 30 nights. But the main one, obviously, is Game of the Year. So, your nominees are Control, Death Stranding, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Sekiro, Shadows (laughs) Die Twice, and The Outer Worlds. Not to be confused with The Outer Wilds. Different game. Um, It was unfortunate that those games came out in the same year. But I think that this is a pretty good lineup. Um, I think that... It's interesting to me that Control made it in for Game of the Year. I know a lot of people really enjoyed it and really liked it. I just don't think it has a shot at winning this category. No, and it's and it's hard because when you think about your Game of the Year, right? This is, I think about last year where you had like your critical Game of the Year and then your personal Game of the Year. I think for a lot of people, Control definitely deserves to be up there from a personal perspective. But from mm-hmm. a technical technical perspective, which is where I like feel like the critical Game of the Year judging comes in i had way too many issues with that game so i'm very surprised to see it up here yeah i am as well i mean we didn't really nominate control for a lot of things i mean i enjoyed my my time with the game but it didn't stick with me the way it clearly stuck with a lot of the other judges on the panel i think it's an interesting thing to note super smash super smash bros ultimate being in this category because 
that game released in December of 2018. Thus, it wasn't eligible for last year's Game Awards, but was eligible for this year. And Jeff was really great about reminding people to look at games that came out um, in December of last year to make sure that we were considering them for nominations in all categories, not just Game of the Year. So I think it's no surprise that Smash is up there because it was so wildly popular and very well received critically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we... We'll, we'll definitely see more from Smash and the rest of these nominees, but um, I'm just sad that Fire Emblem didn't make it, because I think that game was amazing. Fire Emblem, I think, really got got shafted as well in a lot of these categories. It made the... Oh, I'm trying to find it on here. Didn't it make Best Strategy? I think it was Strategy, yeah. That's it! Come on, man! Yeah, it's on Best Strategy Game. Yeah, it's it was interesting, because I pulled a lot of our communities, the Facebook fan page and Twitter, and a lot of people were like, where's Fire? Blood, I know it's such a good game. I would have. That was I, probably one of my favorite it. games of this year. Yeah. Was Fire Emblem. Yeah, same. But maybe it was too niche. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why it's not here. But it's not. And that makes yeah, me sad. I'm assuming like not enough other people played it. Yeah. To or forgot about it. I don't know. How could you forget about Claude? I don't know. Jeez uh, Louise. I think what was tough for us when we were doing our nominations because I mean we also were looking at Devil May Cry 5 for Game of the Year as well and a lot of people were like why didn't that make it in mm-hmm. um, I think it was just a really interesting selection of games I think last year there was a couple like shoe-ins for Game of the Year like Spider-Man like God of War Red like Redemption. Red Dead Redemption 2 right that it was it was I think an easier nomination process whereas this year I think it was really more difficult because of the different style of games and because there wasn't truly a game that got tens across the board mm-hmm. or nines and tens across the board from most of the voting outlets. Yeah, it's so many different genres of games, but they're all equally well received, right? You know what I mean? So I feel like that's why you just, it was hard. This I was think a weird the year. one that I find interesting, and I haven't played it yet because I, when I went to Europe, I played nothing. So I've been gone for like a month. Um, is Death Stranding only because that game was so divisive and it seems like even if you really thought it was interesting from a storytelling perspective, I feel like there's still that criticism of like the, the gameplay of it. So I'm surprised if, about it making game of the year. I wouldn't, I feel like game direction and all that other stuff would make sense. But to me, just based on what I have seen people talking about, I kind of don't really understand it being game of the year. I feel like that is a miss for me. No, I think we're def- the three of us are certainly aligned on that. I know that there's been a lot of people stumping in the Facebook fan page uh, of What's Good Games that Death Stranding is the be-all, end-all of video games. And I want you to keep enjoying your life, balancing your load, swimming across. Balancing your load. I mean, like, that's what you do. No, I know, but it's just... <laughs> that's not a thing you want someone to say, though. I feel like it's... <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be fun. I'm excited to chat with you ladies when we cast our votes. Um, obviously, I'm going to be shooing for a Resident Evil 2 remake. Not- uh, I thought that, that to me is the standout here. And mm-hmm. I think we've been saying that all year long that it's Resident Evil 2's to lose. And I still feel that way. I look at this list and go, what is like the the best game in this list? And that's to me still Resident Evil 2. Not my favorite game, but the best game. Right. And that's kind of where the distinction comes in. Yeah. Um, all right, let's continue on, shall we? Uh, what other ones should we talk about? Let's talk about narrative. I love that a Plague Tale Innocence made it into this category. Also, Disco Elysium, um, which is interesting. And then we've got Control, Death Stranding, and The Outer Worlds. Um, I think The Outer Worlds is going to be 
the bridesmaid of this of this game awards. I don't think the Outer Worlds is actually probably going to walk away with any awards. Yeah, I mean, like Spider Man last year, right? Like Spider Man, yeah, Spider Man. Oh, Spider Man was hard last year. I felt so bad for them because <laughs> like that game was amazing, and I had so much fun with Spider Man, and it got nothing. Nope, nothing. Um, I'm looking at this. I think my favorite narrative would be the Outer Worlds, though. Yeah, but I feel like Death Stranding is going to take that. Yeah, I yeah. As much as like I have issues with Death Stranding, I the narrative I thought was really well done. Weird, it's very but well weird. done. I feel like that's every Kojima game though, where it's like, <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Points for creativity. Exactly. I think it's a really cool looking at the different um, the selection or the, the diversity of selection, I should say, with best art direction. We've got Control, Death Stranding, Greece, which also was like a late 2018 release. So I'm glad that one snuck in there. Sayonara, Wild Hearts, which everyone has been raving about this year. And then we have Sekiro and then Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening coming yeah, in in our direction. Absolutely. That game is so freaking cute. I like Gris, though. That was like best art beautiful. I, I agree. Yeah. style. Um, I think this is such a tough category because a lot of this category is super subjective. Oh, totally. Right? It's just like, what kind of heart style do you like? There you go. Pick it. Yeah. Can you ladies explain to me? Because maybe I'm just not understanding. What about Control's art direction is making it? I think the world building that they did through art is really what got it nominated here. If you think about how they created um, all of the different assets within the house, right? And how they really kind of gave it this unique feel where it really kind of felt very much not like a, not only like a remedy game, but also like its own unique world. Yeah. I guess when I think of art direction though, I think of the uniqueness of Link's Awakening, of Greece, of, De- the realism of Death Stranding. And to me, Control didn't do anything from a graphical perspective, but maybe I'd have to reread, because, I mean, we nominated in this category, too. I'd have to reread what the actual description is for Best Art Direction. Sure. Let me look that up, shall I? While you're doing that, let's look at Games for Impact, because I feel like that's always an interesting category. All right. You read it, Britt. We got Concrete Genie, Grease, Kind Words, Life is Strange 2, and Sea of Solitude. Those are all very solid games. Yeah. Yes, 100%. That that to me is like a really tough category. That's going to be a tough vote. Yes. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, uh. So Life is Strange 2, Greece are the only ones that I've played. Concrete Genie is really, it, really cute. It's amazing. Also, like for me, though, the biggest emotional impact of these games is Sea of Solitude. Mm-hmm. We talk about games for impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get to the art description in a second, but the games for impact is for a thought-provoking game with a profound pro-social meaning or message. Um, and so I think that obviously Life is Strange, we we love Life is Strange. We've been big fans of it you know, since the original. I've done a lot of work with that team. And I've loved this season, but I there's just something about how how moved I was playing Sea of Solitude that I really want to. Well, I think it, it's also something different, right? We've seen Life is Strange before. Mm-hmm. It's not the, not the same story, obviously, and I do think this story is more impactful than the last than the first season. I would say mm. they tackle a lot more uh, heavy topics, um, but. That being said, obviously, Sea of Solitude was a completely different experience for you. So I think that's probably yeah. where it's coming from. And if you guys haven't played it, highly recommend you check it out. It's not a very long experience. I think it took me like three to four hours or something like that. Mm. So um, my perfect video game. Right? 
finish it in a night. Oh my God, you feel so accomplished. It's so good. Um, so just to pivot back to art direction really quick. So the uh, description is for outstanding creative and technical achievement in artistic design and animation. Now, I think that it's unfortunate that Jeff combined these categories because animation and art direction used to be different categories, if I'm not mistaken. Because to me, if we're talking about an animation category hands down infinity ward wins with call of duty modern warfare i have never in my life seen animation like that in a video game it is like unreal how fantastic looking that game is Mm -hmm. like i it just is like jaw-droppingly gorgeous throughout the entire campaign like I've never seen cutscenes look like that before. The, I think the last thing that was as as impact, impactful to me as that game was from an artistic perspective was probably Horizon Zero Dawn because I thought they did also did a phenomenal job with their Decima engine, the team at Gorilla. Yeah, no, that game was really well done. I'm actually surprised Devil May Cry got the shaft here, right? Because that I mean that game is all about style, yeah, which both kind of- in terms of animation and the way that they move, and then also just stylistically and how everything looks um is really unique and interesting so i guess control had some weird crazy physics things that were animated that you haven't really seen in games before so maybe that's probably more of the technical side for control i can see that okay cool no it's okay you can just say that you don't agree with it i don't continue on Brittany. Mm -hmm. what's next what do you want to talk about which (laughs) of these categories i love you uh best score in music is kind of interesting so you have cadence of hyrule death stranding devil may cry 5 kingdom hearts 3 and sayonara wild hearts so this includes score original song and or licensed soundtracks i can see why Okay, I haven't played Sayonara Wild Hearts, nor Kingdom Hearts 3, but I can definitely see why the first three are here. Cadence of Hyrule took the Zelda soundtrack, the iconic songs, and remixed it in a way that felt unique and new and obviously fit very well with the gameplay of that game. Death Stranding has licensed music out the wazoo. Yes. <laughs> it's always playing, which I, I could I could point to. I think that they took a licensed soundtrack and used it in a more innovative way than I've seen anybody else do. The... I mean, we did see Red Dead Redemption 2 do some interesting things with their soundtrack, but I thought it was not nearly as prevalent as what, you know, Kojima Productions was doing with their soundtrack for Death Stranding. And I really do love the Death Stranding soundtrack. I think that it was really well put together. I think there is absolutely an art form to working with licensed music and sourcing and placing music within creative works that is underappreciated. However, I'm with you that Cadence of Hyrule is really kick ass <laughs> really good and then devil may cry five yeah i can see that too pull yeah. my devil trigger that's my version of the song. you can license that and put that in your game capcom <laughs> you have permission all right what else do you want to talk about mm, best performance sure all right we got ashley birch as parvati Courtney Hope as Jesse Faden from Control, Laura Bailey and Ashley yeah, Worlds. Laura Bailey as Kate Diaz, Mads Mikkelsen as Cliff from Death Stranding, Matthew Porta as Dr. Casper Darling in Control, and Norman Reedus as Sam Porter Bridges in Death Stranding. This is a very stacked category. Yeah. Honestly, any of these people could win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people are going to vote for Mads. Mads or Norman. I, I thought Norman was great. I think Mads was probably better, but... But everybody loves Norman. <laughs> it's 
true. That's very true. true. <gasps> and uh, I feel like he would be the one person besides uh, Laura Bailey that would actually show up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Matt ain't coming to the Game Awards. <laughs> I mean, Ashley does come from time to time. Oh, Ashley would be It there. would be cool to yeah. see her there, but I feel like you know jeff and norman are, are pals and so he would call me he'd just like pop on over he'd be like hey what up parvati is i'm so here precious. with my unwashed hair i know she's so good and ashley did such a good job of playing that character yeah so good i really want ashley to win i sadly don't think she has a chance yeah norman Reedus. which is a bummer all right i'm just kind of looking through more of these anyone yeah we've got the usual think, suspects yeah. with um with you know online games i do think it's interesting that this year jeff added best community support so this mm. is a new category for this year recognizing a game and studio for outstanding community support and transparency inclusive of social media activity and game updates and patches now i thought that this was a really great thing for him to do because games as live service are becoming ever present and becoming a bigger and bigger slice of the gaming landscape and so being able to recognize studios for the work that they do to maintain their relationship with their communities, both through gameplay and just through like social interactions, I think is a really interesting idea. So in this category, we've got Apex Legends with Respawn and EA, Destiny 2 with Bungie, Final Fantasy 14 with Square Enix, Fortnite from Epic, and then Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege with Ubisoft Montreal. I feel like Fortnite's just going to win this, but it would be awesome to see Apex Legends win this one. I think Apex is is an interesting case because they've had kind of a love-hate relationship with their community this year. Yeah. And that's not for on Respawn. That's on the community working with Respawn. It's like, you know, they make one small change that the community doesn't like and there's this backlash. For me, and I know that I'm really close to this, which is why I want to talk about Destiny 2, but I think when Bungie left Activision, they took control of their community engagement in a way that was really refreshing, that felt really authentic. They were more open and transparent than they ever had been when they were underneath Activision's umbrella. And they really made an effort to talk to their community and not just through you know, releasing gameplay updates and really rallying people around Shadowkeep. But if you look at even like what Luke Smith did with his director's cut when he like released this like manifesto, um, you know, in the summer before Shadowkeep came out, I think that Bungie did a standout job with community support. And of course, like Epic is, you know, kind of a shoo-in for this award as well. Yeah. 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 But they're all doing a great job. I don't follow. I mean, honestly, I don't follow all these communities, but I definitely have heard enough to know that, yeah, all of these studios are doing a a really good job um, with with community support. So that would be telling, though, if Bungie did win this, you know, they split from Activision and now it's like you did the thing. Yeah, man. because they used to be it was I haven't paid attention, honestly, since they split Mm. from Activision. But when they were with them, I was like. Oh no! Like the, yeah. a lot of their messaging was just written as if fifteen PR people had edited the thing, yeah. And then it got to a place where it didn't even really make any sense. It's true, and I, I think that's what's so great about where they're at now is that they only have to answer to themselves, and there's something very liberating about that, and something, of course, very terrifying about that. Oh, totally. Yeah, if you mess it up, it's now on you. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's no more scapegoat there. It's your fault if something happens. Yeah, I think it'd be the most impactful if actually if Bungie wins. So, Bungie, you win. Please. Fingers crossed. Okay. You win. Is that how it works? I don't, I, Brittany just decides. That's all it is. You win. Okay, let's go over the genre games. Uh-huh. Since those are always, I think, really hotly contested every year. Uh, we can just skip yeah, the AR and VR yeah. category for now. Um, 
Best action. Read them. Read them. We got Apex Legends, Astral Chain, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Devil May Cry 5, Gears 5, and Metro Exodus. Oh, Metro. No, like everyone kind of forgot about that one. I'm happy it was nominated because clearly not everyone has forgotten about it, but that was a great game. This is tough because the action games are so different, right? Like if you look at Astral Chain, Call of Duty 5, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just wildly different kinds of games. I think Devil May Cry 5 will win this one. That's my... I think you're right. I think it will too. I think people are going to say it got chapter from action also like when I think action that's the game I gravitate toward most versus all the other ones because as you said they we've kind of smashed a lot of genres into action at this point right um but I still think that people inherently think when they think action they think of something like Devil May Cry right so in the voting I do think that that's what the way it would go I feel like Call of Duty just never wins any of these rewards no, they don't. No, it's no. the same song and dance, but kind of, but not really. I'm glad that they're nominated, and I think Activision has like probably thrown off the idea of you know caring about these awards. I'm sure the devs care, and the devs want to yeah. win, absolutely. Um, but it's tough because no matter how well Call of Duty does, and they clearly had a, a standout year this year with Modern Warfare, like people just still love to hate Call of Duty as a game. That's so, true. You know, they're unfortunate, rolling in that money. True. It's very in vogue. Overall, best action adventure game, Borderlands 3, Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2 Remake, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. I honestly don't know how Link's Awakening got in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I grabbed that. I was like, whatever. That's that's an odd one. I mean, cool. Little baby boy Link hanging out. It's hard yeah. because when you look at a game like Borderlands 3, like, where does this game belong? And that was something we struggled with. I don't know what category we nominated it we in? nominated it in rpg okay. i believe yeah. and uh, mm, or oh, did, no we nominated action. it in an action game because i reached out to jeff and asked him um and said like hey like you know what are you classifying this game as because it's clearly a hybrid and so is destiny too right like mm. we're gonna nominate shadow keep for anything um you know it's like does is it an rpg is it an action game like you know you, it, you there's definitely a case to be made for calling it an action adventure as well um, and so it's tough when games like cross genres. I mean, I think Borderlands is also much like the Outer Worlds is not going to win anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I, yeah. I think that because the general consensus was while it's a step up, it's just more of the same. Yeah. Right? And it's not worth worthy of awards worthy of praise. But I wouldn't say, oh, my God, you did something amazing better than any other game this year. So let's see. Who do you think is going to take this one? I honestly think. It's probably going to go to Death Stranding. Yeah, I think so. I wanted to go to Resident Evil 2 Remake because I think when you think action adventure combining traversal with puzzle solving, that <laughs> I mean, like, that's Death Stranding. That's def- <laughs> I know, but it's also Resident Evil no, 2. I know, but you think traversal. I'm sorry. You think those green rolling hills and puzzle solving, balancing all that fucking cargo on your back. It's a constant puzzle, constant traversal. So it like totally fits the bill. But that's- it doesn't do it the best, okay? No, no, I'm with you. Oh, trust me. <laughs> but I just think that's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I guess. But it... Uh, See, I think this is another one where Sekiro probably could have been in the combat, in the action, action category. category. Yeah, that's what right? I thought, yeah. But, I mean, there is obviously a lot of other types of gameplay elements in Sekiro as well, but... 
I think it's going to go like, I'm with you, Death Stranding, but I think Resident Evil 2 deserves it. And you did good. Link's Awakening, good job. You got nominated. You made it in there somehow. You get but a it's gonna your teeth. star. Uh, best RPG. Disco Elysium. Final Fantasy XIV. Wait, okay, don't do that. I can't understand you. Sorry, Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Three, Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, and the Outer Worlds. Wait, what was the first one you said? Disco Elysium. Oh, okay, I was like, I can't. <laughs> Disco Elysium. This is it. Like, we did this stick briefly on last week's episode. Oh God, anyway. rip! Everyone's How ears. about that shaft on Fire Emblem in the RPG yeah. category? We actually internally had a bit of this debate. Steimer's like, it's a strategy game. And Brett's like, it's an RPG. I think it's clearly an RPG strategy game. Yeah. But um, Man, it's I not don't in remember this, this debate. I must have been drunk. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I would have put it as RPG, but Steimer's totally right, obviously, because it got nominated I mean, by the yeah. most people in strategy. But when I think about Fire Emblem, I think of RPG. But, you know. For me, I think, I mean, there's definitely RPG elements to it. I just think. But the combat. The is, main focus yeah. is combat and it's strategy combat. Yeah, you're totally right. Good job, Final Fantasy fourteen. I guess. Hanging in there. Yeah, hey. Uh, but anywho, who's going to win this one, ladies? I think this is probably the Outer Worlds. Good. Don't say yeah. Kingdom Hearts. I mean... Okay. You know, I hope Kingdom Hearts wins nothing. I doubt I, it will. I don't have any yeah. hate for Kingdom Hearts. No, I don't. That's, it's just like compared to everything else, <laughs> yeah. I just don't think... I mean, that game took so long to make and I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I think the Outer Worlds has to I was literally playing yeah. it and I was like, is this... This feels like just from what i've seen of the other games the exact same shit so yeah, yeah. i don't know best fighting game dead or alive 6 jump force mortal kombat 11 samurai showdown super smash brothers ultimate i'm so sad that smash is going head to head with mk11 because we were playing mk11 on stadia uh yesterday and just reminded me like how good that game is do you think it's not gonna win no against smash no i don't know it's got the Mortal Kombat so you can rip people's spines out maybe I they know it's, I mean they, like, they I, can, it can win Goaty if it wants to just leave the fighting game alone <laughs> <laughs> I think if Smash doesn't win fighting game but it wins game of the year something's wrong that would be oh god could you imagine? that would be funny <laughs> although that's happened before of course it has because yeah. what will happen is like some of the votes get split between mm-hmm. games and then like, you get these weird upsets but no, I think this is this yeah. is Smash is a shoe win for sure. I would Smush. say I would eat my shorts, like I said that one time. Samer, you weren't on that episode, right? I was not no. on that episode. Um, but I, while I'm that conf, okay, I will say it. I will. Someone eat, said once that I they would eat, eat a cup and panties. Then they couldn't. On the show. Oh, oh shit! Smash okay, okay, wins. that's better because if it's something win? you could actually win or actually oh, they do. Lose. No, ooh, but see, I want. I, maybe I want to eat them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how good they taste. I don't think it's like a fruit roll up. I don't think it's quite that good. <laughs> I've actually never had an edible underwear. Maybe we should do this for science. I think we I should. Think we should. We should just go to the store and grab a pair. <laughs> Be like, where's the nearest sex shop? We camera. need some edible underwear. There's one down the street, actually. I love that you know this. It's because it's by the car wash, and I drive by the car wash. <gasps> I need wash to go to the car wash. Time. My remember, car is disgusting. We were disgusting. also going to watch Fortnite porn for science, and we never did. <gasps> oh, oh yeah, we never did. It's a date, ladies. We okay. can eat edible undies and watch Fortnite porn. <laughs> it's Amazing. Be great. Okay, so if they lose, I'll eat a pair of edible underwear. I'll probably just eat them regardless. Okay. But all right, best family game: Luigi's Mansion Three. Ring Fit Adventure, Super Mario Maker 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Yoshi's Crafted World. Ladies, this is all Nintendo. Nintendo could lose this category. <laughs> I mean, sarcasm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> I think that's hilarious that Ring Fit Adventures, because to me, I'm like, that's 
it's a quote-unquote game it, it you're yeah. exercising like that's what it is you just... i don't want to exercise with my family no hell no but uh i don't, want I, I don't know all sweaty uh, i think super mario or yoshi will win because well or maybe uh, actually smash because everyone loves smash but i think family game I think of a family... and i feel like smash is not a game you would play with your family because you get really a... mad yes i'm in with you like luigi <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Luigi's Mansion Three wins this category hands down. In Yoshi's Crafted World, I think is it looks more charming, but Luigi's Mansion Three is just a great, great yeah. game, and it's co-op. So, like, I mean, so is Luigi. Mm-hmm. I love Luigi. Do you want to eat him? Kind of gummies. Is he going to mm. taste like edible undies? I don't know. We don't know what the edible undies taste like, so we TBD for science. Okay, best strategy game: Age of Wonders, Planet's Fall, Anno eighteen hundred. Fire Emblem Three Houses, Total War Three Kingdoms, Tropico Six, and Wargroove. I mean, I want Fire Emblem to take it because Fire Emblem is so good, but it might be a Total War or a Tropic or Tropico. Tropico. Yeah, I think Total War like usually wins this category every year that they're nominated. Creative Assembly has just been crushing it with Total War year after year. That's what my dad likes to play. He's a Total Mm. War kind of guy. Yeah. It's a very, very popular um, um, strategy game. I mean, there's this category has got like a really nice, diverse mix, but I think Fire Emblem is not going to win. Makes me sad. Rip. Yeah. I want it to win something. It's such a good game. Such yeah. a great game. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if people who play these other strategy games are people who would also play Fire Emblem. I'm not. No. Uh, and that's one of the reasons yeah. why I feel like it would lose, right? Yeah. It's not a traditional hardcore strategy yeah we can probably just skip the sports and racing category multiplayer i think is an interesting mix this year because we've got apex legends borderlands 3 call of duty tetris 99 and then the division 2 i ah. think all of these are freaking awesome multiplayer games and it's going to be really hard to vote in this category They're yeah especially because tetris is just like a random ass curveball there yeah because you're like wait how do i compare these games they're very different i think tetris 99 doesn't really i mean i love that it's nominated but it doesn't feel the same multiplayer it doesn't feel as multiplayer e <laughs> as the other games do because essentially tetris 99 is a solo game right you're it's, like it's you're just going you're squads. pitting against people so yeah. it's, you're you can't yeah you can't exactly party the same way you can in all Why the others fortnite on this probably because there's just too many other games that got nominated this year I guess. It's been nominated a lot. Yeah, but yeah. in this category. It's kind of surprising, I guess. Um, it's Apex Legends year, I guess. Apparently. And Borderlands 3 multiplayer is fantastic. I really enjoyed my time in The Division 2. So, and of course, Fortnite's Modern had Warfare. Stay in the Sun before. It's nominated again on a couple of these things. I think it's fine. Yeah. Oh, it's totally fine. I'm not offended by any means. I'm just kind of surprised that, you know, it's not here. Uh, right. We've got fresh indie game presented by Subway. Oh my god! I'm just happy. Uh, what? Um, I love this. <laughs> Wait, what? How did I miss this? Fresh indie game presented by Subway. Do you think they're just going to be Subway at the Game Awards? God, I hope so. I love that Subway. Would be great. It helps look up the alcohol. <laughs> be like, we need a sandwich. I All need right. some cold cuts. Give up me in a here. foot long. Let's go. <laughs> um, Zaum. By, oh, oh. That's the studio. Oh, I was like, what kind of game is that? Okay, I'm just going to... No. Just read, this, <laughs> just read reading, the games. No, girl, I'm reading the studios. I'm like, I haven't heard fucking any of these games. Where have they're I very been? small teams. <laughs> because they're the teams. Okay, Disco Elysium, Gris, My Friend Pedro, Pedro Outer Wilds, Pedro. Wi- Pedro, Pedro. Sorry, Outer Wilds, <laughs> Slay the Spire, Untitled Goose Game. So the Outer Wilds makes it in in the indie category only. I hope that they win a Subway 
<laughs> foot long. Is it going to be a subway trophy? What if they all just... All nominees get a foot All long. nominees. No, I feel like if they win, it's like your studio gets a lifetime supply of subway sandwiches. Dude. That would be good for a little indie studio. <gasps> yeah, but there's not that many of them. It's Save a lot of money on lunch, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an interesting category. To me, I think that this is like a shoe-in for Outer Wilds. Um, Untitled Goose Game, I'm glad that it's here and it was really fun. I don't think Untitled Goose Game really like moved the needle when it comes to innovation, though. Um, when we're looking at Gris as well, like I think that game was phenomenal. Um, you know, I didn't spend a- enough time with my fen- my friend Pedro or Slay the Spire, and I definitely want to you know spend more time with Disco Elysium as well. But yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. All right, content creator of the year: Courage, Doctor Lupo, Ewok, Griffith, Shroud. Cool. Yeah, this is an interesting category. The way that Jeff has changed this category over the years, uh, the description is recognizing a streamer, influencer, or media member who has made an important positive impact on the industry in 2018. So I think, you know, like I've had personal interactions and worked with Dr. Lupo, so I'm really happy to see that he's nominated. He has done a standout job in 2019 of doing a lot of really fantastic um, content creation specifically around charitable um, efforts, which I think is awesome. Um, I don't, I'm not like super familiar with a lot of the people. Obviously, everybody knows Shroud. I think like Shroud and Courage, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like that Ewok is up here from a representation standpoint, of course, but I think that I don't think of her as a content creator. She's an esports player and there is an esports category. So I don't know how I feel about. You know, like esports players, like making it into the content creator, because I know that a lot of them stream on their own time, but usually those streams are just for their practice or for them to talk to their community. They're not like actively, you know, making content day in day out. They're they're playing, they're practicing, they're you know competing. Competition. Thoughts? I don't know Ewoks, so I have no thoughts there. No, I'm. I'm um, with you. But on in terms of esports players and the content and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think some of them are better at it than others. I think some esports players definitely see uh, that there'll be an end to their career at some point, and so it's more career building for them. And they do want to, you know, move over into that content stream once they can't play professionally anymore. Yeah. So again, I don't, I don't know this player, but that might be more of the category that they're under. Yeah, so just as a reminder, so Ewok kind of made headlines earlier this year because she's 13 and she was born deaf and she is playing Fortnite professionally. So I think that's clearly what kind of got attention from the other members of the the jury this year is that, you know, she was kind of like this really amazing beacon, not only just for female esports players. Wait. She's my bitch. Look at this. I love She's her. a fan of Starburst Twix, like, Sour Starburst, Green, Twix Skittles. and Sour Green Skittles. I like you. <laughs> You're my new favorite for this category. <laughs> Go Ewok. You win. Um, but she also represents, you know, gamers with disabilities playing professionally as well. So I think that that is awesome and really cool. Yeah. Dope. Cool. Man, everything else is just esports from here on out. Esportes. Yeah. I, so we can just skip those because yeah. we didn't vote or nominate in those categories because we are not an esports outlet. Jeff has a specific Correct. jury of esports outlets and esports influencers who vote and nominate in the esports categories. So if you guys want to look at all of the nominees across all of the categories, of course, thegameawards.com. It's also a good place to learn about how the voting and nomination process takes oh, yeah. place. And 
um, who the other members of the juries are. So a couple things before we move on. Yeah. I was very vocal on Twitter this week about my disappointment in how Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order did not get nominated for anything and neither did Pokemon Sword and Shield because of when the judges were given access to the builds of those games ahead of the when the nominations were due. And so clearly the both of those games would have made nominations if we had gotten if the deadline for the nominations had been pushed back or if we were able to get code earlier. So I'm pretty disappointed. I think that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is a phenomenal game and that Respawn did a really great job. Obviously, it's got, you know, a couple of issues like all of these games do, but I think they really deserve some recognition this year and I'm disappointed with how it kind of shook out. Yeah, and Jeff said people can, judges can nominate those games for next year, but like we were talking about with Cyberpunk and T-Loo 2. Yeah, it's not going to have a it's chance. Just Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Final Fantasy yeah. 7 Remake, yeah. yeah. There's no way. No, so it, it was kind of weird, and I think it's a good discussion that we're having because maybe the way that these awards are run needs to be tweaked just a little bit to accommodate yeah. when games happen just to release on the cutoff date. I think that it's certainly frustrating that there's a you know the way that it lines up, and so there's a lot of people on Twitter kind of asking like, how is this possible? Why doesn't he just move the awards to January, et cetera, et cetera? And just as like a clarification, the reason why the awards are in December is because he is trying to galvanize the gaming community around the fervor that is the holiday season for video games, uh, getting people excited and interested about games that came out this year so that maybe they'll go buy them and support the developers who make these games. Christmas you know, time is ho, a ho, ho. big business. Exactly. And so that's a, that's a big factor and that's a big part of it, of course. And as we saw, games that come out in December you know, have a shot at being nominated the year after. It's just that November is kind of this limbo area and it changes every year depending on when the Game Awards date, you know, is announced and when the release dates are for, for major temple games. And there are other award shows that take all of the months of the calendar year into consideration. Obviously, there's the Dice Awards from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, which is developer nominated and voted, which happens in February every year. The Game Developers Choice Awards, which happens in March, also is developer nominated and voted. Um, and so those take it into effect. But by the time you get to you know, like the GDC Awards, I feel like a lot of the games that they're talking about now have been kind of like left in the dust because we're now getting so many releases in Q1. Yep. It's true. So I remember back in my day when nothing released at the beginning of the year and everything released at the end of the year. And it was really obnoxious because that's when I worked actually reviewing games and we all wanted to die. But yeah. Then <laughs> um, yeah. And now they release any time of year. Do you still want to die though from it? Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it made nothing better. <laughs> so I guess we hope that these will get nominated next year, but let's be honest, nobody's beating Cyberpunk and Tilu. Well, I mean, it'll probably get nominated, and that'll be good. And we so you had your moment. I don't think I would have voted for Jedi Fallen Order anyway for Game of the Year. I think it absolutely deserves to be nominated, but um, you know, so maybe it'll live its best life. It'll live its full potential. Mm. Mm. Discussion, maybe oh. another time. Mm. Um, all right, shall we move on? Yee. Yee. Who's starting? 
I'll start. You start. Half-Life Alex takes place between Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2. Whoa, update. Okay, this came from Kotaku. So, obviously, Half-Life Alex was announced. You guys all today. got a Half-Life game. Wow. Hooray. So, Half-Life Alex, you might be dismayed to learn, is definitely not Half-Life 3, but it is a new full-length Half-Life game, Valve said today, and it'll be out in March. Full-length? Those games were long. Yeah, they were very long. So, like, that in VR? Yeah, girl fucking kill me in a press release valve said the game first announced earlier this week to surprise confusion and memes from fans has been quote designed from the ground up for virtual reality but is still very much a half-life game in that it features world exploration puzzle solving visceral combat and an intricately woven story that connects it all with the characters iconic to the half-life universe it is set between the events of half-life one and two and stars alex as the title suggests alex vance and her father eli secretly mount the resistance Fair enough. To the brutal occupation of Earth by a mysterious alien race known as the Combine, reads the game's description. As Alex, players take the fight to the Combine to save the future of humanity. Oh no, aliens. Despite being a killer, I missed a word. Wait. Ostensibly. Ostensibly. My brain was just like, you don't know how to say it. Your brain was just like, skip the word. No, that's not how this works. You could have. It would have been fine. Ostensibly. Being a killer app for Valve's own VR headset, the Valve Index. I forgot about that thing. Mm -hmm. Half-Life Alex will be compatible with, quote, all PC-based VR headsets when it releases in March 2020. Screenshots thus far depict Alex having hands. (laughs) Which is that's good that's just kind of a we we do love hands i think okay having hands which is something that was technically already canon but now her hands are your hands and you get to use items like the enticingly named gravity gloves if they are not somehow involved in the game of oh, involved in a game of fetch with a dog i'll eat a vortigaunt what the fuck nerds all right update 115 <laughs> pacific eastern in an interview with ign valve designer programmer robin walker said that some former members of firewatch studio campo santo hired by valve last year ostensibly they like using that word at God, no, get, get me on my toes to continue working yeah. on their next game in the valley of gods are working on half-life alex that's an editing error i think you wouldn't use that word more than once in any story <laughs> okay um, ostensibly you might <laughs> Oh, good job, Steiner. Sensibly. <laughs> okay, that's irrelevant, irrelevant. Okay, Walker also said that Alex is roughly the same length as Half-Life 2, which puts it around 13 to 15 hours long. So there you go, Steiner. I remember Strap being in. way longer I than feel that. like it was longer, but... Maybe I was just bad at the puzzles. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Game Awards host and Death Stranding main character, <laughs> Jeff Keighley, released a video interview with members of the Half-Life Alex team in which they discussed the game's origins as an exploration of VR mechanics rather than setting out to create a new Half-Life, specifically in why it's not Half-Life 3. Quote, back in 2016 when we started this, Half-Life was just terrifying. So Half-Life 3 was a terrifying, daunting prospect. And I think to some extent, VR was a way we could fool ourselves into believing we had a way to do this. The game The Gravity Gun helped us the way Boy. the gravity gun helped us in Half-Life 2, it became the temple you could wrap so much around. So VR became this thing we could wrap everything around. Whereas Half-Life 3, if it's like tomorrow you're working on Half-Life 3, then it's like, oh God. So basically, Half-Life 3 is never coming because they're too scared. I think that's kind of... That's literally... That's all I'm getting out of this is... There's no way we could possibly make Half-Life 3 at this point. We don't know what we're doing. I think Let's make exactly, a VR game because we can... It gives us a comfort blanket yeah. and we can deal. Okay, during the interview, Valve also confirmed that Valve veterans like Portal 2 writers Eric Wolpaw and Jay Pinkerton, both of whom departed Valve back in 2017, have been working on Half-Life Alex as well. Quote, it was really easy to recruit for this project, surprisingly enough, said Valve level designer Dario Casali with a chuckle. 
Wow. I am well. so perplexed by this move by Valve. Also, like, this individual developer, Rob Walker, is allowed to be scared of Half-Life. Valve, as a studio, is not allowed to be scared of their own goddamn property. Like, the reason why nothing has happened is because Valve hasn't made the game. I feel like the community that was excited for it has, like has like fizzled you know there's so many other things that are happening and the choice to bring back one of their most iconic franchises and lock it to vr is mind-boggling to me yeah Yeah. i feel like there's no way that half-life 3 or half-life 2 episode 3 whatever the ones are that people are waiting on if they came out now it's been far too long like the expectation who knows i think everyone's kind of all over the board right i think if you want to bring it back you don't have to do vr you can tell a whole different story and maybe that's what they're doing here. I don't quite follow the lore. That's within the universe, but not really related to Gordon Freeman or whoever the hell is in those games. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I, I know what you mean. I think that doing something in VR around the Half-Life is good. I just don't think making it only in VR is good. I think there, we've seen plenty of examples of studios that make a VR version and then make a regular 2D version or 3D version. That's not virtual reality, and we've seen it done be done successfully. I think we, you know Resident Evil Seven is a really great, you know, like kind of poster child for that, right? Mm. And I just would think that Valve would look at their audience and the people who want this and could not only just sell more units but probably appease their fans a lot more that said what we saw in the teaser looks good i don't know if it's going to look that good inside index um you know i think that technology in vr is changing and getting better every month that goes by and that developers are learning better how to work with that platform and work with the hardware Mm -hmm. but I guess only time will tell if it's going to look as good as it does. Wait, so this headset, the index, is a thousand dollars? Yeah, or seven fifty. There's a bundle for a thousand, and then a bundle for like seven fifty. This is and it's ridiculous, right? Like if you've already got the room scale pieces of the Vive, the HTC Vive, you don't need the entire bundle. Got it. You just need the new headset Mm because you can keep like the the room sensors. But if you're you're like I'm Half Life fan number one, I have nothing right now. Thousand bucks. Thousand bucks plus the cost of the the PC. Plus and, the PC and the game. Oh the my game, god! The game it's not comes standalone. It has to run on the PC. If you have the index, the game is free. Well, just, that's oh wow. Okay. They're sixty bucks off that package. Right Woof! There. I mean, that makes a mega difference when we're talking Same. about <laughs> at that point what at least sixteen hundred dollars. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. And I was reading an interview, an interview, and it sounds like you know you were talking about earlier how Resident Evil Seven has VR and non VR, and it sounds like the plan is definitely not to bring this to non VR. Because they're like, it's kind of made from the ground up for this. And remember, Simon, when you were talking about, what's the owl game? Oh, the Falcon, Falcon Age. Age. Yeah, you said it felt kind of weird when you're not playing it. In yes, VR, it did so. feel weird when you when I was like, this is clearly designed yeah. for VR. So to play it not in VR, it, it's just bizarre because you're like, I should be able to do this thing. I can't do this thing. And I think if you were playing it with the headset, you would understand why you couldn't do the thing. But Yeah, so it sounds like Valve's trying to avoid that. But well, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But also... I don't know. As we were watching the, the trailer, and apparently you guys said this is a normal thing. I really hated the hands. I hated them so much. The disconnected, the hands. disconnected hands. Because I'm like, just like, just why the weird ghost hands? Yeah. I don't like it. Even though it is very common in VR games to just have hands and not have arms, I don't like it either. Yeah, it's odd. 
I don't know how uh, how hard it would be to animate the arms. I'm sure there's some reason. That arms... I'm sure there's technical reasons yeah. for it, but it's very off-putting. It's like, huh. <laughs> the team behind Falcon Age is a small independent team. I understand why they didn't have the resources to create two different locomotion sets, one for VR and one for non-VR. You know who doesn't have a money problem? Valve. Valve. <laughs> Valve has a ton of money. They could easily have made a team that was specifically for the Porting index, this over and right? giving them arms. Simon just wants arms. I Simon, just want arms. If there are arms in VR, will you play VR? <laughs> No, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> for a short for a short period of time. But again, it's this. I don't want anything on my face that long for like fifteen hours. Hell no! And I don't. I don't think it's fifteen hours. I'm sure it's probably oh, longer. Oh my that. goodness! But, I mean, it looks like a good VR game. It looks like there's some humor to it. I don't follow Half Life, so I'm my panties aren't in a tight twisted bundle over it. I'll check it out. I have the um, Oculus Quest, and you can now turn it into the the S with the link or whatever so the link cable. Sure, played on that cool i'll check it out i'm curious to see how the half-life community responds to it once it's out and whether or not yeah. they like it um because this is the only half-life they're probably given that quote granted it's one person at the studio so they're not speaking for everybody it sounds like this is all they're gonna get for quite some time so or this is maybe like a, a test for them to be like well we need to test the waters because it's been so long mm-hmm. that we have no idea whether or not anyone is still interested in this franchise. I think the mm-hmm. bad part is that you won't really get a good read whether or not anyone's is still interested because it is only VR. made in VR and it is only like this really expensive headset and all the stuff mm-hmm. that you need to have. But if you took some resources, like Andrea said, and ported it to regular ass video game mode, uh, I think you, I think they would have a better understanding of whether or not this, they should go forth yeah. And try making Half-Life 3. Just fucking try. Like, even if they <laughs> made it a Steam exclusive, I would be, you know, upset that I can't play it on console. But I would at least think that that's a better call to put it as a Steam exclusive and an index and have an index version than to just make it an index exclusive game. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I absolutely will not be playing this. And I if, if it had been on Steam, I would. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would finish it because... I tend to get bored very quickly in first-person shooters, but mm-hmm. I would definitely play. It's just kind of an odd choice well, from many different angles. Half-Life is coming, everybody. Just not in the way you thought. Is that how it always works? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Life's a bitch. All right, so now we've got a Pokemon story. Yeah! <laughs> Steimer, would you like to do the honors? Sure. Pokemon Sword and Shield catches six million in global sales. This is from Destructoid. Following on the new... Wait, on from news? That's not a good huh, sentence. That's weird. Why did you write that? Um, the Pokemon Sword and Shield shifted 1.3 million physical copies in Japan. The Pokemon company has proudly announced that these latest entries in the legendary collect up franchise have succeeded in selling 6 million global units after their release week. A little, uh, a little over 2 million of these sales came from North America during the first two days of launch. Dang. This number represents the highest week ever at the highest ever week one sales on the nintendo switch platform making pokemon sword and shield the fastest selling switch title to date it's worth noting that sword and shield are two separately listed games and as such dedicated fans may choose to purchase both which will understandably help boost these figures a little i don't know that i agree with that or i mean i guess some people do buy two but good god 
money bags mcgee uh the success of both titles also led to a global surge in switch hardware sales with japan selling over 180,000 switch units during pokemon sword and shields release week since the start of november the uk has seen further uh 90,000 consoles confirming pokemon's staying power as a quote killer app capable of shifting hardware sales as well as software no shit surprising no one i know so I was looking at some numbers. So Sun and Moon for 3DS, which released in 2016, sold 16.17 million copies to date. Interesting, worth noting that at that point, because I also pulled some numbers, um, the 3DS hardware install, 3DS install base was around 58 million, and right now the Switch is around 41. And so it's outpacing that. And then Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee has reached 11.28 million copies in total. Which obviously, I think Sword and Shield is going to like crush, decimate. Yeah, yeah. that think, sword, that shield. I think after the holiday season is really where they're going to have their their bump. There was no surprise that this is doing well. I think we all knew that when Nintendo announced this game, announced its release window, and announced Nintendo Switch Lite. Oh that yeah, it was definitely going to be a hardware pusher. Pokemon always has been for Nintendo, so. I mean, again, surprising no one, but very cool and exciting nonetheless. Yeah, glad to see well. We'll be talking more about Pokemon Sword Shield in the next segment. Yes, yeah, we, we will. will. All right, um, and lastly, Miss Amy Hennig has launched an interactive studio in a movie production company. So PC Gamer writes that former Uncharted creative director Amy Hennig has joined a film production company, Skydance Media, to run a new interactive division, which Skydance boasts will shape the future of interactive media. Skydance, if you guys don't know, is kind of a big player in the feature film business. You may have heard of things like Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, Terminator Dark Fate, and the new Top Gun. It has, however, also created a pair of VR games, including the Walking Dead spin-off set in New Orleans that's coming in 2020. According to Skydance, the new division will use streaming platforms to get gamers and non-gamers to play story-focused interactive series. On Twitter, Hennig said that the creative team will be exploring new frontiers in interactive storytelling, though no games have been announced yet. Hennig is joined by former EA producer Julian Beek, who serves as vice president, continuing a partnership that started with the unfortunately canceled Star Wars game. Rip. Codenamed Ragtag. Press F. I've been in the game industry for 30 years now, Hennig said in the announcement. I've seen so many different evolution and revolutions of creative content, and fundamentally, I came to it as a storyteller. I was potentially a filmmaker. When I was going to school, I wanted to be a writer, and so I found my creative home in games. Hennig believes that gaming is currently missing short-form interactive narratives while developers are pressured to make giant open-world live service games. The former is what Hennig specializes in, though, and what the new studio will be working on. GamesRadar added that Hennig and Beak plan on developing new story-focused experiences crafted as interactive series that will employ state-of-the-art computer graphics to provide visual fidelity of television and film, but with an active, lean-in experience that puts audience in the driver's seat. Sounds cool. Can't wait. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. Let's do it. Anything she touches, I will touch too. Wow, that sounds really bad. I'm going to hold up the pillow now. No, no, she shouldn't say that, though. Um, I think this is good. I think that I'm holding, you know, my excitement in check just a little bit because... All of her projects keep being canceled? Yes. Yeah. And I don't think Skydance is going to cancel her because I have heard rumblings that they've been looking to invest in the interactive space for quite some time and they've been making some moves. So I'm excited to see that they're making a move with her, but I'll believe it when I see it. 
That's fair. I mean, this is going to take a while to, to get done anyway. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of people doing this type of stuff, but they're just not doing it on the scale that I think Skydance is capable of. Obviously, one of our favorite games that is a narrative interactive experience, Life is Strange, um, I think has always done it really well. Both Deck Nine and Don't Nada Studios, I think, really did a great job with that. Telltale previously mm-hmm. also really succeeded in the narrative interactive storytelling. And then the game that we're playing later today, Supermassive, with, you know, the Dark Pictures anthology with Man of Badan and previously, you know, Until Dawn. I think that is a, a perfect example Example of a really cinematic interactive gaming experience until dawn fucking kick ass yeah. that's was, that was probably my favorite one of the quote interactive story experiences yeah even though it's horror yeah and i hate horror coming around slowly but surely nah. it makes you it makes me wonder do <laughs> you think the goal is to put a controller in people's hands or to do something kind of like playlink like bandersnatch i think bandersnatch is definitely influencing this genre and influencing TV and film companies to look at it. I also want to remind people about Imagineerum, Andy Serkis' studio, that put out the Planet of the Apes Frontier game. Yeah. That was really overlooked, but that's exactly what his studio was trying to do as well, is to take these feature film-like experiences and make them interactive. And what Imagineerum's focus was to make it really approachable for people who don't normally play video games and that's why they used PlayLink Mm -hmm. is to say hey we want people to just have to tap a couple buttons on their phone and not hold a controller because controllers can be very intimidating for people who don't play games oh absolutely so I think that there's amazing potential here for Amy to do something super cool with Skydance also the walking the potential is all there the VR game so Steimer has no interest whatsoever correct but it's got zombies, so it's Saints all about Brittany. Oh, it's all about me. Everything's always about me. And on that note, we're going to take our first break of the show. <laughs> I was going for an awkward pause. I was like, that's a hard cut. Oh, good. I was like, I'll just keep making this weird face. I'll just hold it. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. good everybody and welcome back to the what's good games podcast it's segment two and this is where we talk about what we've been playing and our hands-on impressions from any games that we've gotten pre-release and this time our friend maverick is joining us he's a pokemon on his own he's yeah he's not gonna say much he'd be a pretty decent pokemon he would use leer oh he would 100 percent use leer yeah like, lower your attack i think mm-hmm. uh, is that like a it, staring attack yes yeah it's yeah, yeah. a debuff He's pretty good at that. <laughs> um, but before we talk about Pokemon or any other game that we've played, I've got to tell you that it's brought to you by GameStop. So we talked to you guys about Pro Day not that long ago, and now we're here to remind you that Black Friday is almost upon us. Like you didn't know, the Black Friday ads are literally everywhere right now. And GameStop has revealed that they've got some of the best deals in gaming on the hottest video games, consoles, accessories, and collectibles. And it all kicks off November 28th and runs through December 1st. So they, of course, are kicking off their Black Friday sales in-store beginning at 3 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day and going live with holiday deals on GameStop.com at 6 p.m. Pacific Time on November 27th. So if you really want to get a jump on things, Mm -hmm. you can, you know, put your onesies on and, and shop online. Um, Black Friday offers, of course, as we mentioned, are valid through December 1st, unless otherwise stated. And just as a reminder, there are over 3,000 locations nationwide. GameStops. 
holding it down. 3,700 to be exact. And more than 30,000 store associates ready and willing to help answer your questions. Just as a friendly reminder, be nice to associates when you see them. They're people too. And guess what? They know a lot about video games. They do. Just be nice to people in general, you know? You know what? That's a good life lesson, Britt. I appreciate that. GameStop is also offering convenience and value to make this Black Friday the best shopping experience this holiday season. Customers can expect to see a unique discount across a mix of video game consoles, including bundle packages that include triple play and software, both Sony, PS4, and Xbox One, plus gift coupons on Nintendo Switch and Switch Lite. Additionally, GameStop will also offer deep discounts on popular collectibles, such as board games, toy figures, holiday apparel, ornaments, and more. Not unlike... The really adorable mini shirt that I'm wearing right now. Is this, this a GameStop too? Yep, this is my Tiny Tina. Nice. <gasps> I didn't even notice that it was Tiny Tina. Yeah, like um, I Maybe been, I just didn't want to stare. Your boom yeah. boobs. Dang, that hurts my feelings. Don't want to stare at me. But oh. I have been told that I remind people of Tiny Tina, probably because we're both crazy. That might have something to do with that it. That might have something to do with it. I'll never forget when she first came out. Everyone's like, oh my God, it's you. And it's me. And now I have her on my, my breasticles and my abdomen, thanks to, you know, the lovely selection at GameStop. Yeah. Purple shirts are the best. So they have a crap ton of deals going on, you guys. So I'm going to uh, run down just a couple of the ones that I think are are really awesome, just some standout um, things that they're doing. So if you've been waiting to get a PS4, they've got a one terabyte bundle with God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, and The Last of Us for $199.99. Wow, that is a deal. That is crazy. That's a good deal. Especially now that they've dropped the price of PlayStation Now to $9.99 a month. Um, that's awesome. Or if you want to get that 4K life happening, the PS4 Pro one terabyte glacial white system, which is available only at GameStop while supplies last, is $299.99. And you'll get a $25 gift coupon. So really, if you think about it, if you spend that gift coupon on yourself, which you should, it's like Always. $275. That's yeah. really good. That's mm-hmm. a really good deal. Um, of course, Xbox has their own bundles as well. You can get an Xbox One S one terabyte bundle with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for $199.99. You can get the Xbox One X limited edition one terabyte bundle with NBA 2K20, which is also available only at GameStop for $349.99. $349.99 for an Xbox One X is a pretty good price, you guys. I don't know if they've discounted it that cheap before. $349? That's like a hundred dollars off. <laughs> My goodness. Um, of course, Nintendo Switch, not to be left out. They've got a bundle where you'll receive a free copy of Mario Kart 8 while supplies last, plus a $25 coupon. Uh, on Thursday and Friday, that deal is happening. And then the Nintendo Switch Lite, if you've been eyeing it and you want to get one, you can get a $25 gift coupon with your purchase. Um, they've got a bunch of games on sale. Red Dead Redemption, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Gears 5, Spider-Man, plus accessories like DualShock wireless controllers, the Pokeball Plus controllers, um, and a whole bunch of headsets and things like that. And of course, as we mentioned, collectibles, which has been such a huge part of GameStop's um, expansion into the gaming culture sphere. Up to 40% off holiday apparel, calendars, and ornaments. Plus, you can get 30% off on all board games, puzzles, and Funkover strategy games, plus a whole bunch of other deals. If you guys want to look at everything that GameStop is doing for Black Friday, you got to go to GameStop.com slash Black Friday. Again, GameStop.com slash Black Friday is where you'll get to check out all of their deals, make all of the little notations, 
But what you want to get? Little notations. Notations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Make yourself a list. Make yourself a list. Listen, Check it twice. If you don't, you're going to forget and then you're going to miss it on a deal and then you're going to be sad. That's no true. No one likes sad. Mm-mm. Wow. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about what we've been playing. So, obviously, we mentioned Pokemon. So, let's just go ahead and start with Pokemon Sword Shield. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Because you, are, you do have Sword or Shield. I have Sword. I have Shield. We can trade. It'll be great. Yeah, oh, because I wanted the Rainbow Ponyta. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's not Ponyta. Is it Ponyta? Yeah, yeah it's Ponyta. Ponyta. Yeah, yeah, Ponyta. Um, this is also why I got Shield. And I just haven't started yet. Oh, I was like, you have it too? Yeah, I'm. I so I just started playing this morning, and I was almost late here because I... <laughs> lost track of time and like i woke up pretty early I woke up at six yeah i saw like, you tweeting it like super early yeah i got i mean i went to bed at nine so <laughs> good for you I mean. sleep is important uh but then so yeah i got up at six and i was like okay i have plenty of time i'm gonna get pokemon because i downloaded it the night before and i just started playing and i like then it, and then all of a sudden it was like 9 30 and i was like oh shit i have to like get ready and go places um but I am really digging it. I know, obviously, it's, I mean, it's the same formula in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But to me, I haven't really dived back into a Pokemon game. It's been a few years. It's, I've, I've skipped a few um, iterations of Pokemon. So I think for me, it's about that right time where I'm like ready for another. And I do love the world that they've built and like, being able to walk around in it and look at everything is so much prettier than like the old shit, like top down view from before. Um, so, cause I just got to like the first city and I was wandering around and I was like, Oh my God, this is cool. Did you play any of the 3ds ones? Sun. Moon. Uh, I played some sun and moon. Okay. I played some X and Y. I don't, okay. I definitely didn't play X and Y. I don't remember if I did sun or moon if i did i didn't play them very long okay um so this is the first one that i'm like i'm excited to play and like sit down and bunker down and i think what i'm I'm most excited about is like as i'm walking around the tall grass and i'm seeing all these new pokemon and i love so the tall grass is different back in the day um you Wait, know sorry, did you play let's go eevee or pikachu no. i can't remember no i okay. haven't played let's did go you? so yeah, is, let's is, play together. Yeah, is it the same in let's go yes okay so Whatever. So that's new for you, though. It's new for me. No, that's, that's um, an important thing, yeah. Yeah, so the tall... If you didn't play Let's Go and you're like, I haven't played Pokemon since Red and Blue. It's different. Slightly. <laughs> hey, been a lot of Pokemon. It's been a lot. You know what? Technology. The Red and Blue is what I grew up on because I'm old. Um, <laughs> but anyways, in Tallgrass before, it would just be, you know, random encounters. There are still random encounters, but you can see the pokemon and you can avoid them i've run past so many i'm like ha sucker you're so slow and they're like chase me out of the grass i'm like you can't catch me oh and then you come across him a champ and he hunts your ass down and runs into you oh really he's like a level 50 and you're like a 25 and And you're you're like like, i'm sorry daddy rip Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but um no so i'm like i'm super excited about it i love i get excited seeing all the different types of pokemon in there because i'm like oh is that a new one and like what is it and i want to go chase after it and get it and I'm I'm excited about like learning about all their new evolutions and I'm kind of going back and forth on whether or not I want to look up every Pokemon but as I catch it and like what its evolutions are if I want to keep it in my party if I don't want to keep it in my party um do you have the Pokédex app yeah, uh like isn't there an app for the Pokedex? on your phone there I, if there is I'm not using it I haven't heard of it there's yeah. something called Pokemon my, Home was, where you can upload your Pokemon to 
Because I'm the way I'm playing is I just kind of went in blind in the sense that I'm just trying to catch them all. I want to fill up my Pokedex, so I'm not looking at anything that could give that away. I looked up the starter evolutions because I wanted to see what they... Because although I didn't realize this, so a, a lot of times, um, or at least in, in the past few iterations of, uh, of Pokemon, the starters will evolve with a second type. Mm. And so they look weird sometimes. And I was scared that one of them would be fight one of them would like just go some weird gnarly combo that i didn't want yep so it's like i need to look this i just these are the ones i'm gonna look up i'm gonna look up the starters so there are a bunch of unofficial pokemon oh, so yeah. pokedex apps you mean pokedex apps yeah i mean yeah. i just if i have a question i just google it yeah but there was at some point an official ios app a long time ago it looks like then it's gone yeah who knows if it was updated press f so I'm with you, Steimer, in the sense that it's I'm as a fan, I'm just I'm loving it. I think I've put like thirty-five hours into it. I'm trying to complete the Pokedex. I have six out of my eight gym badges. I think my I've caught maybe 170 Pokemon at this point. Wow. Are you level grinding them so they evolve and you get those in the Pokedex? Kind kind of. If I I'm just catching everything I see. Even if I see like like a let's say there's a Machop and I know I have one. If I see a Machoke, I'll still catch that one. No, I know. Yeah, totally. I'm just saying, so you're trying to catch the evolutions versus evolving them. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Because yeah, okay. I always start out thinking, I'm just going to evolve everything in my... And then you have but like no, there's so many. And then you I've, just get overwhelmed, which is why the Poke jobs are really helpful. Because you can just send your Pokemon in jobs and they get experience points that way. Nice. You yeah. go work, Pokemon. Yeah. Earn your yeah. keep. So this is the... Yeah, what? Oh, I was just going to say, there's also like a bunch of like... Third, third party, party. yeah um apps on both android and ios for people making you know pokedex, pokedex. style pokedex. Yeah. apps so but yeah as anyway, a fan continue. i am just enjoying it so much it's just so much fun you know the formula doesn't really have to change that much for this game to be fun right if you yeah, think about the formula is solid yeah from pokemon red blue to where we are now throughout all of the different games that have come out in the Pokemon series, granted there have been innovations and thing, things have changed, but it hasn't been like this huge like transformation per se. So yeah, like I can't stop playing it. I can't put it down. Jason and I have our switches in our um, workout room and we have two treadmills side by side. So he has shield too and I have sword. And so we've been doing max raid battles together while we're walking on the treadmill. Nice. We're going like six miles on that thing at a time. And it's just like, yeah, better than sitting on your ass. Very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, but then there's like, the critic side of me who's like hmm there are just some things where it's hard because i understand that game freak doesn't have to innovate that much they don't have to because this game is already fun the, the formula is already great but then there's part of me is like hmm is it weird that this game still isn't voice acted mm. is it weird that the npcs have nothing really worthy to say is it do you know what i mean so i, yeah. have, I have a list on my phone of things that's fair all right bring up your list while you're doing that I think the reason why it's never been voice acted and probably won't be is because it makes it more internationally um, easy for distribution to not include voice acting or voiceover because then you have to localize it. Sure. Yeah, because when you fire up the game, it immediately is like, which language do you want? Um, and it's a lot easier to compress text files of subtitles I on there it, than it is. I get it, but if this is a game backed by Nintendo, like they have the resources to make it happen. It's just like, sure. in, granted, this game doesn't need voice acting. I wouldn't say it needs it. I pulled my Twitter followers to ask, you know, do you, would you rather it be voice acted or not? And it was mostly split. There was like a little tiny percentage who said, like, I don't want it voice acted. But it was mostly split between, yes, we want it voice acted or I don't care either way. I think that they could explore 
cutscenes that are voice acted without and then like you know the traditional in-game stuff that they kind have like right fire now emblem does it exactly yeah yeah have a little bit more fire emblem more like okay yes there is voice acting but only in these really specific moments i think the reason they don't is because pokemon i mean doesn't really have a story the story is like you become the best <laughs> like you yeah. you are the story you are. so um it, it's it's harder there's nothing there's no reason for them to voice act it because like what are they voice acting someone telling you instructions on how to catch a pokemon and throw a pokeball like Mm -hmm. it's not terribly exciting and i don't think it's necessary for them to spend those resources doing that maybe but i think during those big gym scenes you know where there's a crowd and the music's playing and the the audience the uh, rose the chairman you know he's speaking into the microphone i can hear it in my head you know like this big like and again cut scenes voice acted yep otherwise they just grunt yeah, like, no, uh, that would be nice if they had, yeah, in the stadiums yeah, and stuff, yeah. if they were like, they, there was an actual announcer. Because that wouldn't be hard. You know, you only have a few lines of dialogue there to localize. Yeah. And so, again, like we were talking about last week, it's hard because as a fan, again, cool. But then as a critic, you're like, mm. so, you know, you, look, you go through the towns and the towns are large and they're very different and they're very fun to walk through. Everyone's like has a theme, you know, and it's cool. Like, ah. But again, I feel in the, in the towns, the NPCs don't say much they don't say anything really worthwhile so it was like i love my butterfree it's like cool that's great um you know a lot of the rooms are recycled even though there are a lot of houses you can go in it's yeah. all kind of the, the same layout i also kind of granted i haven't been in that many houses yet you've been in more since you're I like 30 hours in but i kind of wanted there to be more hidden stuff in there like I've seen, a f- I've found a few off the path pokeballs or whatever or sparkly things in the grass um, that I've picked up. But I'm like, I, I want more. Like, I want more of these. Reward the exploration. Give me, yes, give me the exploration mm-hmm. cookie. Because right now you just find little pokeballs with items or TMs or something in mm-hmm. it, or you'll get like berries or oh my God. fruits. The, um, curry. Your fr- is his name Hop? His yeah. Name's Hop. yeah. Uh, he, there was like, you're supposed to run back to the train stations at the very beginning of the game. And he's like, we're going to catch as many as we can. And I was like, whatever. And I just ran to the thing. And he's like, you caught no Pokemon? And I was like, correct. Oh, wait, really? Because I, oh, that's but I had caught so many. I had caught every type already. Mm-hmm. But at the start of the quote unquote challenge, I was like, I don't need, I don't need another freaking Yamper. And I don't need woolu? another Wooloo. And I don't need, like, I don't want to catch anymore because I've already caught all of the ones that are in this grass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just didn't. And But I thought it was funny how he was like. So he reacted. He was That's like, funny because I caught like, everything. I was, was like, like you caught nothing." Um, but yeah, going back to like you know the towns and stuff, it's it's hard because it does. Do the towns need to be fully fleshed out? Do they need to be like interesting and have all these hidden stories and side quests found throughout that? Because maybe, maybe not. Because Pokemon's always been so light on story. Yeah, but why not? Why not take this opportunity? I know we had this conversation a couple of months back when we were, I think, after the one of the big preview events for Pokemon Sword and Shield about how. This would have been such an amazing time for Nintendo to put a bunch of resources behind making this the biggest, best Pokemon that's ever been created because they have market dominance as the PS4 and the Xbox One are winding down their life cycles in advance of new consoles coming to market next year. Mm -hmm. This is Nintendo's holiday to really make a giant splash and Pokemon has always been one of their best-selling franchises. They could have done something 
on the level of Breath of the Wild, what they did with Legend of Zelda. And I'm just still like a little disappointed they didn't. Doesn't mean what they did was bad. And obviously they obviously not. have been selling millions of copies and millions more are going to be sold and people are really enjoying their time with the game. But I think it would have been awesome and really, really cool of Nintendo to say, you know what, now is the time for us to reinvigorate this decades-long franchise with some new gameplay. I think even if they didn't go that route, I think even back to what Brittany was saying, I mean, I even remember, though, in Red and Blue, like, you would go to a town and there would be something, there like, a story. It would be really like light. Like Lavender Town. Yeah, like, like that. everyone yeah. had, there was, like, a very small secret sort of thing like you would you would go around and uncover what was happening in that town because there was always something happening are you telling me that that is not what's going on that's not and i mean that's kind of yeah i mean that's another part of it something else i want to bring up is i feel like it's just very you know you go on the different routes right and then there's the wild area and then there's the towns but there's no little mini real mini dungeons kind of like mount moon or like Mm. the whole the stuff going in uh, lavender town for example so it, it feels very straightforward and uh it's just yeah, that's funny because like yeah, they've done it before, and, and it they works. and they qu- and it works, and it's interesting. And you're like, ooh, what's Team Rocket doing over here? Right. Oh, okay, they're doing something weird with Cubone and his mom. But like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like Ariel. I want more. Yeah, just, no, it's fair, especially because of the, it is very pretty and like yeah, and it's they've the, done a nice job with the that. towns are great, but you're in and out, and you really have no incentive to go back and like keep checking them out. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's you're in and out. You, I go, I use the Poke Centers. All the Poke Centers sell the same things, and so you of get course. badges, blah, yeah. blah blah. But there's you know new fashion in every area, and there's haircuts you can get. That's fun. And I do go in and I talk to everyone because that's just what you do, even though they really have nothing interesting to say. It's still part of the Pokemon charm. But after this many years of Pokemon, it would have been nice if you felt like something had changed a little little bit, a little more mature, something else going on there. Um, It's a very safe, I don't know if safe, I don't know if safe is the word because it's kind of the same thing just on a switch. Obviously, the wild area is different. You know, the towns are larger. It's more beautiful. It's the game as a whole is just bigger mm-hmm. and it never really feels dull or, you know, you're in dead space. But I feel like for these changes that we've talked about, like the breath of the wild, the game itself has to change. Mm-hmm. And in what aspects, I don't know. Cause I'm like not a game developer, but you know, I can think about things, you know, make it. it, it okay. Let's talk about the wild area. Cause this is kind of all ties in. So how much have you explored the wild area? Not at all. I'm there right now. Okay. So the wild, so the gallery. If I had been late and not come to this, I would be in the wild area. Well, so the, we're glad that you missed the wild area to come join yeah. us for what's good games. I'm very happy. I brought my switch with me. Oh, so good. I'll, we can. I have my switch. It later. We can trade Pokemon later. Just okay. give me I have a candle. Have you, a glass you can of wine. just give me Pokemon because I have nothing to okay. give you. I think to give you. Uh, so the wild area, it kind of takes up. I would say about half of the gallery region, and it runs from like toward the bottom of the map about three quarters of the way up and it just kind of runs through a lot of the towns and then a lot of the routes kind of span off from that so um we know like safari zone kind of but it's all like grass it's all like greeny grass but mm-hmm. there's a few desert areas of it which are kind of cool but if you want like your snowy area if you want like your foresty area those are just linear routes you know what i'm talking about yeah Pokemon lingo um and it's not like open world sense. And granted, we knew we weren't getting anything open world. So while I appreciate what the wild area has accomplished, because it is cool. It's a big map. I mean, it takes time to run from point A to point B. It's not like a small little patch of stuff. 
you know, and you see Pokemon running around randomly, you know, like the big boys will spawn and they're just like stomping around and you're like, oh shit. And they hunt you down like Daddy Machamp does. Like run. Yeah. And then you have the tall grass where you can see Pokemon spawning in there more regularly. And then, you know, you do have your random encounters where different Pokemon will spawn in there too. And you get to ride your bike. You get to find people and there's lakes and then there's a max raid battle. So there's things to see and do. But the scenery itself is just so... It's just all like greeny and treesy. You know how I feel about trees. And so while I appreciate the scope of it, it's uh, not quite... Knocking your socks off. Yeah, it's cool. And like as a fan, it's very exciting. It's like, oh my God, I get to run around and look at like what's spawning here and it's neat. But then, you know, having played as many games as, you know, we've played, you have other play- games that you can pull from and compare to. And I think that's kind of what I'm doing here. I'm mm. thinking about how cool it would have been if there was like a volcano area, you know, where all the fire Pokemon were. Or if there was... And rock. Yeah, and rock. There's snow area where there's like the ice and all the, the ice cream Pokemon running around. And maybe, you know, you don't have one huge open area, but you have a bunch of little sandboxy areas. But that's not what happened here. Um, so it's... I'm, it's the same, I knew I would feel this way. I'm having so much fun, but at the same time, I can't help think, like, I want more. But like, yeah, I wish that they'd I done want a little more. bit more. Yeah, like, do that next generation jump mm-hmm. that I feel like would be worthy of the first hard, you know, Switch console, home console version of this game. Um, but as we've seen, they're selling buttloads, so does it need to change? I mean, I think do the they pro- need to change? Yeah, they, yes, that's they will. the thing. They will need to. I mean, eventually. eventually. Eventually, but I think right now, they would probably be just like that poor developer at Valve, where it's like it's a little scary to try and change yeah. this formula too much or to really revamp it. But again, I think that's why that they could have and should have explored smaller things like we were mm-hmm. talking about, like more Lavender Town kind of stories and just like, OK, well, build the world and flesh it out really as best you can and tell some interesting little tidbits and side stories and and just like build that way if that's the way if you're like you know what we really are not going to change this gameplay whatsoever because we want everyone to love us and we think that if we do anything different everyone will hate us um fine all right whatever but like there are other places and other areas of this game that you could expand and and redevelop yeah because the story is incredibly like obviously you want to become the gym master the gym did would you say you want to be the the very very best best, like no one ever was and (sighs) You go through your gym challenges, you get your badges, and the idea is you face the ultimate gym leader at the end, and now you're there. And the and game. I assume you face Dynamax Charizard. But, Probably. Um, yeah, that Gigantamax the, Charizard. Gigantamax. So oh, yeah, I keep getting Dynamax and Gigantamax. It's mixed up. Gigantamax like, changes As the you appearance. Do. Um, but there is like a little side story going on, which is interesting. It's cool. I haven't gotten to that yet. It's it's a thing. But like it's just, obviously, like that's not the focus of the game. So I think in order to incorporate a lot of these things, we're talking about the game needs to become more story focused mm-hmm. and it needs to kind of be something more than just get the gym badges and it's kind of like the same old like mario save peach from the castle kind of thing it's kind of been done way too many times i think and while mario. it's so much fun and it's fun to play i think there's just so much potential you know and i think incorporating little dungeons again and make it so maybe you have to catch certain pokemon to get farther into a dungeon or to gain access to an area i think of again yeah, like, we used to, there was stuff like that because you'd be like you need at least a pokemon that can learn this ability to get you through yeah that's not areas. in this one though no no but i'm saying I'm, oh again i'm saying like this is not this is not even new stuff like right. this is stuff they've done before so why not at least keep that in and then maybe tweak it to like make it a little more interesting yeah i'm just thinking about if you have this open world concept 
And it's just like, go on with your bad self. There's Pokemon everywhere. Catch what you want, evolve it, and learn the skills you want. But if you want to access that dungeon over there, you got to learn this, that, and the other. And you have to have Pokemon that do you this. You need to be a certain level. or Kind of Metroidvania in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then so there'd be super cool new Pokemon in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, and if, you know, maybe they're not necessary to complete the game, but it'd be really cool to have it. Yeah. And that's kind of where my mind's wandering as I'm playing it. You know, you're, after you've played so many Pokemon games, or, you know, you can start thinking like, oh, it'd be really cool if I could do this or if I could do that or if that was an option. So in some ways, this game has really, you know, pushed it forward in some aspects. It's kind of what you visually, I think, visually, is, the, is the main one. The wild area is cool. The combat's always fun. Dynamax, like Dynamax, is kind of a weird thing because you can only. Do I it hate the bracelet. Your- they put it on me, and I immediately was like, "It's ugly. I want it off." I'm like, you "Can't take that shit off." I know, and then you can't change it, you can't which cover is bullshit. It either, which is awesome. And I do love the fashion, though. Like immediately when I walked into the clothing shop, I was like, "Oh no, this is Danger Town," because <laughs> I I'm going to spend way too much time, and I'm usually in the not fucking clothing cares, store being but- like these leggings and this top and these shoes and it's gonna be bad but uh, it's fine it's fine but it's good because i'm also someone who's like not into that but i'm into it yeah my girl has like a park on right now because i'm in the snow and i'm like i need uh, to be warm you're like i need to yeah, yeah. so yeah <laughs> i think in some senses you know i think the wild air is a really cool step forward for the genre it's not the step forward but it is at least a step in the right direction mm-hmm. um and uh yeah, I mean, it, it's good fun. It's just when you're playing it, you can't help but think like this is where they could have done better. The one thing I do or I did appreciate, and granted, this might just be because the main Pokemon series that sticks with me is Red and Blue. Um, I've played other ones since, but that's I've played so much of that that it's ingrained as like the one and only. Mm-hmm. And coming into it with like the new way they've sort of twisted your quote unquote rival. I appreciate it because they're way less annoying. So hop yeah. is like, if you don't know, cause you're young, <laughs> red and blue, um, your rival is just an asshole. He's your neighborhood kid who's a punk and you want to punch him in the face all the time. Cause he's just shit talking you and saying how bad you are. And I'm like, I fucking hate this kid. Everyone hates that kid. And now you have a friend and it's more of like, okay, this is a friendly rivalry. And even the champ guy, Leon, is like, I just want to see all of the trainers succeed from this region. And I was like, it's kind of nice that they're making it a little bit less like combative. Yeah. Like, you're still obviously battling these people, but no one's belittling you or tearing you down mm-hmm. in a way that it at least once upon a time, 20,000 years ago, um, it used to do. Yeah. You know, I wonder, Simon, what do you think about this? Do you think the reason that this game seems to have cut out, like, the dungeons and the little, like, exploration parts of it could be because the Nintendo and Game Freak, they know that a lot of people are making the jump from 3DS, well, not 3DS, sorry, from, like, Pokemon, maybe Go, or maybe Let's Go to yeah. this. They want to make it more accessible, you know, easier to understand and accessible that way? I mean, yeah, that could definitely be it, but I also feel like, Pokemon has had such a large audience already. This isn't necessarily in need of a gateway drug. Like, you know, know, like it's Pokemon. Yeah. It's pretty popular in a lot of ways. Uh, Even though people, you know, I think on mobile, it really expanded. Um, 
I don't think anyone would have like a rough time I heading mean, in there, even if there was a dungeon. Because again, like you said, you could have made it optional. Easy to learn, difficult to master has always been Pokemon. Yes, thing. yeah, because there's definitely a lot of depth there that you can either ignore completely, which is usually what I do, or really dive into and start breeding and like oh yeah, start breeding. Yeah, and so something with this one, and some of these features may have been in Let's Go, but um, experience shares on. So that which I, I appreciate. Love. And Wait, I was, what is that? So before you only got experience if the Pokemon came out and like fought. Mm-hmm. So I mean, again, before <laughs> my old ass, I don't know how recently they updated it. But I think it was just with Let's Go. Just with Let's I Go. Okay, so. yeah. Um, and so if you have a party of six, you have to either like cycle through, make sure every single one of those fuckers comes out mm-hmm. so that they can get any XP. Um, or you are just leveling up one person or one Pokemon at a time. And now they have shared experience. So even if all you fight with is your starter, everyone else in the party also gets XP, which is so much nicer. And XP share is in the other games too, but it's usually not like later in the game. Mm -hmm. So this just makes it easier to To get started. Get good. And also it's nice because there's so many different types. You have like grass, water, fire, ice, dark, poison, fairy, steel, rock. Ground. There's, yeah, there's like, a lot. There's a lot. And they all have strengths and weaknesses against each other. And mm-hmm. what's nice now is actually... Well, I've seen the grid. You've seen, oh, yeah, that's right. You have seen the grid. It's Once, terrifying. It's, it's a <laughs> there's lot. There's a lot. <laughs> Once you've fought one Pokemon, and I think made it faint or caught it or whatnot when you fight that pokemon again it'll tell you what moves you have that are effective or not effective against it and yeah the same it's as so nice go through like let's say you're trying to fight like something with a magic carp and you're like wow this isn't working very well but you told me it's the best pokemon it is the best fucking pokemon and i stand by that okay just want, i have a pet you know, magic here it again and he flops around at my camp i play ball with him he goes after my little feather that i wag at his face it's fantastic i feel like you aren't taking Magikarp seriously. Oh, no, I am. I'm giving him t- TLC. I'm making him curry. Uh, <laughs> so what you can do is you can go through your Pokemon that you want to use, and it'll say, like, okay, this will work, this will work, this will not work. So you don't have to actually try to learn. Granted, it's helpful, but yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's a good one to hop in. All right. That's all. Listen, this has been a lengthy discussion on Pokemon Sword and Shield. Thank you, ladies. I think we'll probably hear more about Pokemon next week and the week after as um, Steimer gets in and I get in and that's what she said and Brittany is you know Dynamaxing till Dyna the g- end of her Dynamaxing Dynamaxing in the gym because that's the only place you can do it because apparently that's a power spot oh well then make sense. your Pokemon curry um, do it you bastards make your food Jason doesn't give us Pokemon TLC that makes me sad what a dick um, I do want to pivot and talk a little bit about a console launch that happened this week. Did it? Yes, it did. It happened. Um, now, how it was received, however, is <laughs> remains to be seen, I guess. Um, so you guys may have heard about this little thing called Google Stadia. So Google sent me a review kit for Stadia. It included a Pixel 4.5, Pixel 4a, I think is the phone. Um, that is, of course, Google's Android phone, Android mobile device. They sent me a Stadia controller, and they sent me the special Chromecast Ultra. So it's interesting because we already have a Chromecast Ultra in our house because I really love the Chromecast functionality. It works with a ton of apps. It's great. And I was really looking forward to being able to use Stadia with it. But lo and behold, that functionality does not work yet. Um, eventually... So they sent you a thing that doesn't... 
function? No. They sent me one specifically that came in the Founders Edition. But you cannot use Google Stadia on any other Chromecast Ultra except the ones that come in the Founders Edition. Oh, I see, I see, I see. So if it was shipped with the controller and is like prepackaged as part of the Stadia Got it. Like box set, you're good to go. If you just have a Chromecast Ultra laying around, not Shit good out to of go. luck. <laughs> yeah, again, exactly. You can't just buy another controller and get it to work. At least not yet. Uh, the idea is that eventually they'll, you know, push an update where all the Chromecast Ultras out there will work with Stadia. So, so I set up my account. I was able to snag a, a gamer tag, and I started playing. And I found out just how magical it is being able to input a code into Google Stadia's store online and then being able to play the game nearly instantaneously. And that is something that I think Stadia can lord over every other device and platform that exists today. And I think it's really impressive that they were able to make that technology work. And uh, we tested it out uh, so Brittany could see it. Last night, we decided to buy Final Fantasy XV. Mm-hmm. Um, they have it, uh, if you are our pro subscriber, which everybody right now is, if you've got a Founders Edition, you have three months of uh, Stadia Pro included. And it was discounted to twenty nine ninety nine for the Royal Edition, right? Did we look that up? Yes, it is. Um, and so we bought it, and boom, started playing right away. I was with my husbandos in a few minutes, and it was great. It was to me. This is like the standout feature of Google Stadia is the idea that you can decide you want to play something, and there's no downloading of patches or files or, or copying anything. Mm-hmm. It's just you you download it and you play it. So they provided me with some codes for a number of the launch titles that hap- were originally announced for Stadia, the original 12, before they expanded it to 22 on Sunday, <laughs> which was a weird move, but I guess good. Because- Maybe all of those deals just got signed and they were like, shit, shit, upload it. Do well, it. they were announced to be released before the end of 2019. They just moved that up, but I'm not oh, quite sure why Maybe that they happened. Were, they were like... Yeah, it's all the shit they got. We actually 12. need more. Maybe yeah. people want more than twelve. Well, and they definitely need more than twenty-two as well because, like, you can't count the individual Tomb Raiders as three separate titles. Come on, guys. I mean, I guess technically you I'm can. Like, yes, you can. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, the original from what twenty thirteen, I think. Like, that's going to be one of your launch titles or your twelve launch titles. Ooh. I mean, yeah. fun game. No, don't get me wrong, but. Um, so one of the games, of course, that I was most looking forward to playing was Destiny 2. This has been a big push for them with Bungie as being one of their flagship titles for Stadia's launch. And, you know, how great it's supposed to run and how cross-save has been implemented across Destiny 2. You can just bring your Guardian with you. And so I um, put my code in and started playing right away. And again, continually impressed by the magic of putting the code in and being able to fly to the tower within two minutes. Whereas if I was going to boot it up on my PlayStation 4, you know, I'm going like, to install everything that's been released from Destiny 2 yeah, up to Shadow Yeah, you're going to walk Key. away for a while. <laughs> you're going to like do what I did, which was like, yeah. I leave this to download while I sleep. Goodbye. Yeah. And then I come back and play it later. So I think that that is something is to be lauded and that Google has absolutely delivered on that promise. However... A lot of the other promises they have not delivered on, and that 
to me is incredibly frustrating and disappointing for something that has been uh, really pitched as a console launch. This doesn't feel like a console launch. It feels like a brand new, really crazy piece of tech that needs to be beta tested for a while. Um, And they shouldn't have been promoting it as like Founders Editions and Stadia Pro and you're going to have all these access, access to all these things. I don't even have my Buddy Pass yet Mm -mm. that came with my Founders Edition. It's not active. Like if I go to Buddy Pass on the app, it just says, oh, we'll be implementing this soon. I'm like, oops. Cool, I guess. Are you going to like ping me when it's ready? What are you going to (sighs) do? Yeah, so it's been, it's been tough. So I played a bunch of different games and I ran Brittany through a bunch of different games last night as well. So checked out Red Dead Redemption 2, checked out Mortal Kombat 11. We played a little bit of Guilt. We tried Final Fantasy 15, mm-hmm. tried Destiny 2. I tried um, Tomb Raider or Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, the, the most recent installment in that franchise. And all of them looked good at 1080p. I only was able, I think, to get one game actually stream in 4k or what they called upscaled 4k not even like native 4k and and that was my third attempt at destiny 2 my first attempt at destiny 2 was absolutely horrific it was super dark it was almost unplayable the textures were popping in and out all over the place and the input lag from the controller was atrocious to the point where I couldn't even play it I got so frustrated I put it down and walked away and was like just like ranting around the house about like how <laughs> mad I was around, about scaring it scaring the cats yeah yeah I would say it looked okay and some sometimes it looked good last night yeah. um other times it just looked okay you know especially I remember Red Dead Redemption 2 just being this gorgeous game mm-hmm. and as we were playing I'm like this looks okay it looks fine never looks terrible Right. Like, let's just get that clear. But it doesn't have that, oh my God, moment. And when right. we were playing Mortal Kombat 11 and doing the campaign stuff, um, a lot of times it was stuttering and so bad to the point where the audio would get desynced from the lips. And in the campaign. In the campaign yeah. story mode. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we've said it before, but Andrea has baller internet compared to, I think, what a lot of people have. Yeah, so I mean, when we were doing the test last night, and I tried Stadia both on Wi-Fi and on plugged Ethernet, because obviously Google is recommending for maximum connection that you plug your Chromecast in. Um, Inherently, kind of an awkward setup, unless you have an HDMI connector, because the Chromecast is small. It's this tiny little disc that's probably the diameter of like a tennis ball that you plug directly into the HDMI ports on the back of your television. So that means you have to run an Ethernet cable up behind your TV, or you have to get an HDMI extension to bring your Chromecast down to the ground where Ethernet that port probably is so not ideal from a cable management perspective just want to point that out um but my wi-fi speeds are around 300 megabits per second down and around 15 to 20 megabits per second up and my wired speeds vary from 500 to like 800 megabits per second down and anywhere from 20 to 40 up so just so you guys have an idea of like the speeds that we were working with here um, that's what we got. And I was only able to get Destiny 2 to pop, like I said, pop into what looked like 4K to me on my 4K TV. 
um, one time in my three play sessions. And it really has this Netflix effect yeah. where when you boot it up, it kind of looks super rough and then the you let it play for a few minutes and then it kind of like pops in. Yeah. But then like you'll have instances where you'll get like a hiccup in your internet connection and it'll like pop out and then pop back in. You get like texture loading and that to me is always going to be a struggle for Stadia as a platform and it's something, you know, that I, you know, chatted with Jack Buser about when we were you know, talking, you know, the other week and I said, you know, what what is Google doing to combat this? And they're like, you know, we're working as diligently as we can to, you know, optimize our systems to be able to recognize as many different types of connections as possible. And he's like, you know, we're, it's always going to be a work in progress because we can't really, and I'm paraphrasing here to be clear um, from our conversation, this is not a direct quote, um, because you're always working with all of these different, you know, vendors on the other side. Um, But when it works, it looks really good and it really works, but it was just so inconsistent. It's really hard for me to recommend it to anybody unless you're truly a tech nerd that wants to try this new technology before anybody else and is really excited about the opportunity to play games on the go. But it's tough because I haven't been able to try Stadia yet in a travel environment, at a hotel on hotel Wi-Fi, oh God. in an airport on airport Wi-Fi, over a mobile connection, right? And that leads me to the problem that Stadia truly has and isn't really discussing, and that's data rates. So I'm trying to pull up Jeff Grubb over at VentureBeat because he did uh, an extensive test on the data rates but while i while i get it while i find the exact data um in stadia when you pull up the app on your phone uh, whether you have an android ios um or you're pulling up it at like stadia.google.com on your web browser it says that at a minimum if you're locking it as low as it can go it still can stream up to 4.5 gigabytes of data per hour at 720p frame rate I think Jeff's calculations when he did a test was around 115 megabits or excuse me, megabytes of data per minute playing. So that means you can get upwards up to like 20 gigabytes per hour if you're streaming at 4K quality, which is really like what Stadia's whole pitch is, right? right? That to me is absolutely outrageous. If you don't have unlimited data, then Stadia is, I think, virtually unplayable for you. Mm-hmm. So I, for shits and giggles, because we have Xfinity, I went to look at our data usage, how much we use. And Jason and I use an average of about 700 gigs a month in data. So we do have a data cap of 1,024. And I was... I know, so like you, a terabyte? A terabyte, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 1,024 gigs. So I was looking at some of this stuff this morning, too, while I was laying in your very, very comfortable guest bed. Thanks. And... uh I mean, you're, I know you're going to pull it up, but I was like, that's not, I mean, that shouldn't be an issue. But then when you look at the 4K part of it and how much that really takes up, like we would blow through that between the two of us if we were both using Stadia. Well, if you played, let's just take Red Dead Redemption 2, a game you absolutely want to play in 4K because it's so gorgeous. 800 gigabytes if you were to play 40 hours of Red Dead Redemption 2 in a single month. And that's just one person. That's just one person. And that's just one game. Yeah. 800 gigabytes. Damn. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have data caps. And if you go over that, then you have throttling, you have overage fees, and it's not good. So, yeah, it's, it's 
it's a weird thing because on one hand, you know, it once they get their their controller support all figured out, whatnot. If you want to just pay the seventy dollars for the Chromecast and maybe the ten dollar month subscription fee, mm-hmm. there's a very affordable way to play games on the go. Um, or if you know you know someone who doesn't want to hassle with consoles or whatnot, I can see how this could be attractive. Yeah, I I think right now there's just too much that's not being implemented. So, for example, I have an iPhone, like millions of other people on the planet do and i can't play stadia on my iphone because there is no ios support right now if you want to play on a mobile device you can only play on a google pixel right now so that's why google sent a pixel in the review kit because it's the only way to test it on mobile and so that to me was frustrating and what's even more frustrating is the controller and the way that the controller is currently working with the console so the console is essentially supposed to be like in the cloud right but right now the controller only works with the Chromecast Ultra that got was in the pack-in Founders Edition. If you want to play it on a Pixel, you have to hardwire it with a USB-C cable from the Stadia controller into the phone. If you want to play on your PC, you have to hardwire it with a cable into your PC as well. And that, to me, is just like, really kind of a head scratcher when you were touting the really amazing Wi-Fi tech that you've built into this controller and the Google Assistant feature isn't even live yet. I kept accidentally hitting that button last night and being like, oh, whoops, I guess I can't do any of the you know, voice activated things with, with Stadia right now. Right. And I think that's why we just keep saying, you know, it's a cool concept. And once they fix a lot of these issues, like I said, once the controller support Mm -hmm. is a thing, you don't have to use the Stadia controller, which I just found so incredibly uncomfortable. But you know, if you don't have the Stadia controller, you can't use the Google assistant. You can't save your clips. You can't connect. I think, I think the Chromecast ultra can only work with the Stadia controller on your big TV. Right. So if you want to play on the big TV, you have to have one of these controllers anyway. Uh, It's yeah, it's, it's, Again, like, it's a cool thought. And I think once they nail everything, mm-hmm. then you still have the data caps you got to worry about. But that's another struggle. Great. But right now, it's just not a thing that should be touted as a launch. And there's that commercial we watched last night. Oh, wow. There's yeah. a commercial? Oh, oh dude. Yeah, it's so it's bad. So it's it's a little bit long. Otherwise, I would pull it up and we could watch it here. But it, it features um, comedian Reggie Watts and... Essentially, like he's going around saying like how revolutionary it is as a platform. And I'm like, I mean, yes, but no. And a lot of it's just really false. Like there's like this big thing that he talks about how it's like um, where you can play all of the games that you want to play. And it's like, nah, dog. There's a lot of the games that are not even new. We talk about games that are like out. Don't you want to play 22 games only? And most of them are old. It's, it's just there's so much potential that's what every boy and girl wants every good boy and girl yes i i i i just i'm struggling because i can see the genius behind all of the crap that's happening right now this week because even last night when Brittany and i were um messing around in red dead online and she made me this um exhausted alcoholic character you're so pretty though <laughs> it's so pretty um I was able to hit the screenshot button on the controller and it instantly uploaded to the app. So I could pull up my phone and look at the Stadia app. They don't have the ability to edit screenshots in the app yet and you can't, there's no auto rotation. So I had to literally screenshot it because you also can't share directly from the Stadia app yet either. So I had to screenshot the screenshot. (laughs) Amazing. And then crop it and then post it. 
But the idea that I could take a screenshot that I made on the TV that I was playing and then have it appear on my phone instantaneously was really cool because in order to do that on a PlayStation 4, the easiest way for me to do that is for me to send it in a private message to somebody, usually John, sorry, honey. Um, And then I pull the PlayStation Messages app up on my phone and then I can save the screenshot in my phone from the Messages app and then I can share it because I hate using the integrated share features in PlayStation. It's it's just cumbersome, Um, especially just to type anything. So I, I see that where they're going and I appreciate what they're trying to accomplish. They just haven't accomplished it yet. And it's really frustrating to me that they are just getting away with this advertising, which to me is just false. They're doing false advertising for what Stadia is right now. Also, mm-hmm. apparently, like what you guys have said, they shouldn't be advertising right now. Maybe wait. You're no, right. Maybe Sarah. wait until your shit's together and then start mm-hmm. advertising for it because otherwise people are just going, like you, you have one shot at a first impression, right? They should have delayed the launch of Stadia until after the holidays. But season. even yeah. if they didn't, because they're like, you know, we need to get this out and we want some sales. Like, I think you could still do a launch, but again, maybe like repitch it to be like, well, it's kind of like a... Kind of like again, like I said... first the- access and not like the launch launch like xcloud's yeah. doing they're like hey yeah. we get this is very early we need people to help us test it out mm-hmm. therefore you don't it's gonna be on game you preview. don't get andrea yeah. ranting when she's so upset right now because it would be a beta and she'd have proper expectations i waited for five minutes in the crucible and it never match made me with anybody i hate these crossplay real bad oh uh, yeah it's it's again like just launch your shit if it's not ready don't put out these commercials don't say oh it's so cool and revolutionary when clearly you're still figuring your shit out then we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be like, it's a really cool thing and we're excited to see the future right now. We're just angry. Yeah. (laughs) I think Stadia will become revolutionary when developers make games, more games cross-save and make more games cross-platform. Because right now, that's where Stadia is going to really benefit people is people who have another primary gaming device. Mm -hmm. And then they can play with their friends or bring their characters from their primary device to Stadia on the go. I don't see a world where Stadia would become my primary gaming device literally ever. And the data data transfer rates is part of that. But also, if I'm going to spend the time to boot up a game and play for a session, I don't want the gameplay to look like the look of the gameplay to pop in and out the entire time I'm playing. No, yeah, that'd be frustrating. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't... Like, I tolerate it with Netflix because most of what you watch on streaming services is, like, an hour or is maybe, like, you know, like, 30-minute episodes or 60-minute episodes. You know, you can take breaks in between them. And ultimately, like, it doesn't really bother me as much, but, like, there's something about the interactivity in games and the fidelity of games today that, like, when the textures weren't loading properly, it just was incredibly irritating to me <laughs> yeah <sighs> also the controller just sucks i'm just gonna say i it. do not care for the it's controller. too wide um i think it's too wide and the l1 and r1 and r2 buttons or whatnot they're too close to each other yes mm. and so like there's really no gap between them and there's too much of a you have to depress the trigger buttons too far mm-hmm. uh before the before, before the, input, the input yeah like goes, is registered yeah. and that I just I hate that and because especially with sh- shooters like mm-hmm. when you're hitting the triggers all the time 
Like I just did not care. I just did not care for the Stadia controller. When I first saw it, I knew I wasn't going to like it. I still don't like it. Um, unless they're going to add some add some kind of like pro level functionality to the controller at some point where you can change some of the settings, not unlike what we've seen with the Astro controller or like the Xbox Pro controller. Yeah, but like I don't know if that's even the, the issue. Is just, it's it's weird to call it this, but I've called it this before. It's stiff because every controller is stiff. Right. But you feel like you're just holding like this awkward thing. And I know trying to reinvent the wheel and make a controller everyone loves is a hard thing when they've been do when people have been making controllers for a very long time. But it's just uncomfortable. The button presses or the buttons are too close together. The D pad is slippery as hell. And it's just like I think it just needs to be a little bit more ergonomic. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that that is the word. Yeah, look at me using big words. Big words. Big girl big words. Anyway. Yeah, so I mean it, it, again, my final my final kind of thoughts on it are that I absolutely am here for a future where developers can push updates to their game and gamers get them automatically and you don't have to do any downloading or installing of patches and that game developers can literally be working on their game up until the very last minute before launch because it will get uploaded instantaneously into the Google servers because they're so powerful and so quick. But... There's just so much about it as a platform that's just not ready. That's not ready for consumers. That's not ready for launch. That they should have let it cook a little bit longer before they rolled it out. And there's just way too many features missing for people that were promoted on the box. And I think it's a really big disappointment that Google rolled it out the way they did. I think messaging here matters so much. And if they had changed some of the messaging, I probably wouldn't be as disappointed as I am if my expectations had been set properly going into what Stadia is. Fix your shit before Darksiders Genesis. That's why I got my buddy pass. So Jason can play with me. Do you think that they're going to have the buddy passes ready by Darksiders? Oh, they better. That, I hope that's so. going to be a real boo-boo if they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping by next week the buddy passes are ready. I mean, that's a little ambitious, but, you know, we'll see. Gosh, it shouldn't be. They were supposed to be ready. I'm like, yeah, I was like, pretty, you're already late. Can you imagine that, like, Nintendo is advertising a buddy feature and that they just launch, they just, like, roll out the Switch without it? Uh, no. It's not how things usually go. Dude, I mean, no. I get it. Some things launch, they're not totally ready, but like your main functionality should be ready. Yeah. Maybe Jade Raymond can save Google Stadia. Time will tell. Exactly. All right. Um, do we want to talk about anything else? Do you want to talk about Fallen Order? You want to play more? or uh, I want to play more because right now I'm kind of... And again, maybe I'll eat my hat later or whatever, eat the edible underwear. But right yeah. now I just feel like it's fine. Yeah. Like I'm not excited about it. It's I'm more excited about playing more Pokemon than I am about playing more Fallen Order, which is sort of a bummer because I kind of thought I would be more excited about it. Yeah. But right now I'm like, I, I think maybe I'm too early in. I'm at like the third planet or whatever. Um, and I just don't really care about the story and i care about my little robot buddy and that's about it my robot buddy and i BD against the world the best boy. Best uh, but otherwise kind of just like man and i think it's because of the combat i finally just turned it down to like story mode because i fucking hate anything dark soulsy related like so i'm with you the, the death and the checkpointing in the game bother me a lot um 
even on story mode granted obviously i die a lot less now so it's not as much of an issue uh but before i turned it down i was constantly just like for fuck's sake i'm with you that the difficulty spike between story mode and jedi knight is too big of a ramp I think that it would have been nice for them to make Jedi Knight as a difficulty a little bit more approachable, considering that it is a Star Wars game and it's not a Souls game. Yeah. Right? And you're going to get a lot of people who want to try this game and try it out because it's Star Wars. And I thought that story mode was like... And it's weird that I would ever say this, but it was too easy mm. and felt like the combat didn't mean anything. I didn't care about that because... Uh, I was also I'm have been super jet lag or like I'm just tired right like yeah, I yeah. just got back I'm like the last thing I want to fucking deal with is these dumb assholes that hit you multiple times in a row and then you die and I'm yeah. not interested or here for it so Dang what I would coach. rather do Storm is just smash you in the face and have you die instantly and that feels good to me right now so that's what I'm going to play uh, or how I'm going to play mm-hmm. and maybe as I get farther into it I'll bump it back up but for right now i'm just like no no i'm just gonna run through this mm-hmm. and get through because again i mean right now i do not find this story interesting whatsoever interesting. And I, I like star wars fine but i'm just like this seems like one of the mill shit uh-huh. and maybe it will change because again I'm, i mean i'm going to finish this game but it's mm-hmm. just like right now i'm like me okay all right well i will hold my thoughts then on your thoughts until you play more yeah i'll play more this weekend for sure <laughs> okay Cool. On that note, let's take another break. When we come back, Patreon produced segment. That's a yeah. great way of putting it. Is that yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that works. Nailed right? it. Nailed cool. It. Um, it's all about memorable console launches. And then maybe we'll talk about some uh, essential Thanksgiving dishes because it's almost Thanksgiving. <laughs> Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. And welcome back to our feature segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This week, we polled our patrons at patreon.com slash what's good games and asked them, what do you guys want to hear for the Patreon produced segment for the month of November? And you voted. And I believe the winner was Brittany. (laughs) Since it feels like consoles tend to launch around this time of year, what's your all time favorite memorable console launch? I don't know if the person Ooh. who submitted that actually talks like that. Maybe they do. They could. Well, we are going to answer that question in just a second. And I'm sure it's already stirring up memories within you. Um, but before we do that, we want to say a huge thank you and shout out to our mythic patrons and above. Of course, if you guys want to get your own shout out on What's Good Games, you have to go to patreon.com slash what's good games and sign up to be a mythic patron or above. We've got all kinds of really fun um tiers and membership levels and things like that you can be involved in mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i have to say this month's postcard is a doozy i think i've done <laughs> myself <laughs> uh when brit originally sent this over i was like are we vomiting in this picture what's happening and you may have seen brit twit uh twit brit tweet about me questioning her artistic integrity fine art is a complicated thing it's all so subjective there yeah and if you think my fire looks like barf well hmm, okay wow wow once Um, you see it you'll understand but you've got to be at patreon.com slash what's good games all right without further ado uh how about we just go one two three and then rotate 
Yeah. All right. Steimer, take it away. Aaron Saxton. Adam Boyes. Adam Green. Adrian Rock Williams. Al Tribesman. Alan Mail. Alberto Andreas Videla. Alex Rogopoulos. Andrew Cole. And Anthony Murphy. Arkov. Ariella <laughs> Berman. Bill Stilwell. Bill Zimmerman. Billy Shibley. Brendan Clark. Brian Harper. Brian R. Johnston. Brian Sweeney. Carl Peterson. Chewie's Goldson. Chris Campbell. Chris Redfield, a.k.a. Marty McFly, a.k.a. Brandon Schwartz. Chris Wilson. Chris. Christer. Lindmark. Christer. 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 New, new name. Like Never it. heard that before. Uh, Shy Jackson Burgess. Kristen Rodriguez. Dale Sun. David Cook. David Akluche. Devin Nitz. Did more. Don't just need you. Drew Quesada. Dustin. I almost said quesadilla. I know, me too. I was thinking in my head it was quesadilla. Food on the brain. Yep. Yep. Uh, Dustin Lewis. E. Benjamin Checkness. E. Zari. El Jafarino. Elizabeth Brook. Emo Shell. Emily Kent. Ermiger Dorinda. Yeah, Dorinda oh. never wrote in and let us know. Oh, I don't think. No, you're right. Sorry if I just totally was dick I mean, about but, your name. But it's such a cool name. It, it is. is. Okay, sorry, sorry. Ethan Anderson. Ferris Atay. Flying Saucer Media. Gabe Brown. Gary Welburn. Jeff Hutchinson. Gio Corsi. Gregory Horton. Edison Pink. Ivan Bejarano. Jacob Ernest. Jake Soup. Jared Howard. Jasmine Lee. Jason Kahn. Jay Mahoy. Jason Demich. <laughs> Jessica Bloom. <laughs> Joe Kennison. Joe Schleif. Joe Wilson. John Drake. Joseph Bassa. Josh. Justin Foshi. Justin Foss. Kevin Dunkel. Kia B. Kyle Heyman. Kyle Kaiser. Kyle Somerville. Leonardo Roberto Talavera Baroccio. Linger, uh, Latif Charleston. Lincoln Davis. Lindsay Kelsey. Lucas Shaney. Lila Sick. <laughs> Formerly Cool Red Daddy. <laughs> Marco Antaveros. Marcus Brown. Mark Drastrup. Martha Emery. Martin T. Azrud. Materia Addict. Matt Nichols. Matthew Grach. Matthew Simpson. <laughs> Valentius Owen. Michael S. Michaela Sage. Mike Lynch. Mike Murphy. Mike Queen. Mohammed Mohammed. Molly Bittner. Morgan Lawton. Mr. Mathematics. Nam Wee. Name withheld. <laughs> um, I appreciate the extra lengths you did to write name in the first name field and withheld in the last name Even field. capitalized yep. it, too. Did good. <laughs> Nathan Watkins. Nicole Humphrey. Noel Nevarez. Oswaldo Sandoval. Ozebia. Paige Porter. Patrick Higgins. Patrick Landry. Patrick Weller. Paul Bryant. Paul Fawcett. Per Kilstoff. Pete Shoemaker. Professor Middle Gear. Punk Defied. Pure blue octopus. Blah, blah, blah. I, want, I want to take one moment. I didn't mean to interrupt you to say thank you to pure blue octopus oh, yeah. for the letter that you sent us. I haven't written you back a response yet because I'm trying to be contemplative. Contemplative. That's the word. It's a really sweet, really sweet email. So thank you very much. We've read it. We love you. You're great. I think she just joined us on Patreon. I might have made that up. What? Pure blue octopus? No, pure blue octopus. Has been You've there been forever. reading the blue, 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 like for as long as I can remember. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. No, Twitter. Twitter. That's what it was. No. Anyway, we just had an interaction. I'll get. It's, it's awkward now. All right. <laughs> RJ Bryan. <laughs> Reagan Ibsen. Ripped Gamers. Rob J. Rob Leonard. Robert Adams. Rulin Ball. Ross Haney. Sam. Sean I. Shane Rahim. 
Sean Stevenson. Stephanie Dupont. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. Stephen McPherson. Sydney Khan. Take this. Tara Bruno. Tara Bruno. <laughs> Her name's in there twice. I don't know why. She's double sponsoring. Maybe. Teresa Ennert. Uh, the Ghost Dog 420 Man. Whoa. Thomas Jennings. Throw Seven. Timothy Bennett. Tony Shea. Trent Berry. Trent Pennington. Charles Duncan. Choice Fradlin. Uh, Trevor Yates. Tyler McCall. Varun. Will Cullum. Will Hernandez. <laughs> Yesenia Cisneros. Yesenia Cisneros. Yesenia's great. Oh, you know yeah. the two little uh, Pikachus that I have with the little heart between them? She gave that to oh, me cute. when John and I got married. Anyway, sorry. Am I up? Uh, Yasun. Wait, wait. This is always the name. And Yasun hasn't written in to tell us how you pronounce Yasun's last name. We could use that bunk website that somebody sent us that doesn't know how to pronounce Steimer. It's true. Kajeno Mai. Yusuf. Zach Hershey. Yes. Thank you so much to everybody who is supporting us at patreon.com slash what's good games. We say it every week. We'll say it again. And we said it this week for thank you patrons day. We did. We love you guys. We couldn't do it without you. Um, so I just wanted to make an aside. So I had mentioned something about a website. So uh, somebody wrote to us and said, hey, it's not that hard. Use this website to learn how to pronounce people's <laughs> names. It's like pronouncenames.com or something. Uh-huh. Um, and they got my name right, which I was impressed by. They pronounced it as Andrea. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Brittany is Brittany. Oh, <laughs> but I put Steimer in because I was like, uh-huh, I'm going to get you. Because it's never the easy names that you need help with. It's the hard names. And it was like, there is no entry for this name. Nobody knows how to pronounce it. <laughs> I'm the unpronounceable. Unpronounceable name. You're unique in a unicorn. I am a unique unicorn that nobody knows about. I hide in the corner and no one knows that I exist and no one knows how to pronounce my name and I don't exist on any website. Is Steimer a really uncommon last name? It's not a real last name. My German friends all tell me it is not a German word. It is most likely a typo. Oh, Oh, interesting. Or slash like when they came over on Ellis Island, somebody wrote an M instead of an N. Because Steiner is oh, a word. Steiner is very common. Steiner yeah. is very common. Steiner, Steiner is not. Is Imagine also... if your name was Steiner, though. It was supposed to be. I'm sure. Do you th- w- would you want us to call you Steiner? No. No, I don't I like couldn't. it as much. Because right? no. Final Fantasy IX, yeah. Steiner. I love right? Steiner. I couldn't do it. Oh, yeah, no. You mean so the Hoff? The typo <laughs> has, uh, has worked in my favor. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, we could just call you Shiva instead. You could. I do love that. It's true. Name. You can call me whatever you it's want. It's great. Um, again, thank you again. We love you guys. Uh, and there's some really fun new names on this list this month. Some, mm-hmm. some names I recognize, some names I don't. We love that we have more people coming into the fold and being part of the What's Good Games family. So we love you. Uh, and speaking of our Patreon community, we transitioned the secret segment into being a sponsored segment on the show. And the segment this month we had already mentioned is about memorable console launches. So I think for me, unless somebody else has something that they're itching to say first. No, you go for it. Um, I'm not itching. You're not. Oh, well, that's probably Actually, a good I was thing. Just that's the best. Friend, probably so a good thing. Kind of yeah. Um, one of the most memorable console launches that I have is when the Nintendo 64 launched. Oh, shit. Mm, wow, I was, we going um, back. I was a wee lass. <laughs> well, not that wee, let's be honest. Um, and I remember it being particularly impactful for me because it was such a big moment for uh, console gaming, jumping from the Super Nintendo Entertainment System up to the Nintendo 64. So many more bits, you guys. 64, 64. bits. And we were just reading all the magazines and talking to all our friends and being like, oh, it's going to just be so cool. You guys had so many more bits. The graphics, man. (laughs) I love the bits. Get more bits. 
And looking back on it now, obviously the graphics look crazy, but at the time, at the time it was, it's oh. exciting. Yeah, I mean, like it really kind of changed the face of 3D gaming as we know it. And there was so many really innovative and important things about the Nintendo 64 as a console mm-hmm. and what it did, not only with the controllers and the schemes and adding in multiplayer and um, in a different ways than its predecessors did. But I just remember that being one of the biggest moments in gaming for me, uh, console gaming specifically for me, because I did play a lot on PC when I was younger and I just loved it. And then those controllers, I still to this day, I hate those fucking controllers. Um, I think the thing I love and remember most about the controllers is not that terrible joystick, but the colors of the controllers. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The colors were fun. It's because we wanted them in any any and every color possible. And my dad, to this day, still has the Nintendo 64 controller boxes, the original boxes, because every Christmas he would pick a present to wrap in those boxes and he's kept them oh that's so funny yeah i almost asked him to bring them to the fargo meetup but then i didn't want him to like dig through his like christmas stuff like you know back in yeah um (laughs) sure it's buried deep in there somewhere yeah Yeah, exactly i remember when the n64 was coming out obviously i was very very excited for ocarina of time um but i'll never forget because i was too young to quite understand the difference in like consoles and whatnot that when it was being teased i was getting my nintendo power magazine and in it, they were teasing Super Mario 64, but I didn't realize that the game hadn't been out yet. So I was asking for a game that I thought was Super Mario 64 was actually Super Mario RPG. Because mm. in my mind, they look similar. Like, you know, obviously Super Mario RPG has that 3D look to it. So it kind of looked like it. So that's how I got my very first RPG was Super Aww. Mario RPG. A happy accident. accident. It was a happy accident. Yeah. It was a very confusing game for my wee last mind back in the day. But I was thinking about the N64 controller and that little analog stick. Remember the Mario Party games where you'd have to like rotate it like this and you'd get dust everywhere? No? No, we uh, didn't do that. That didn't happen to me either. Wait, I didn't have a Nintendo 64. <laughs> no, that happened to me a lot. It was one of the little mini games in Mario Party and you'd have to... And then you'd get dust everywhere and it was weird. Anyway. No, man. I well, mean... Hmm. Granted, when I was growing up, we had a couple of consoles, but for the most part, we played on PC. Um... But we did get the original Xbox, and I remember at first being excited about it, and then getting it and realizing that that controller was way too big for my hands. Um, I have very small hands. I had obviously probably, actually, they were probably, I was probably full-grown hands by by 16, (laughs) which is, I think, when we got that console. Um, And But I remember we needed, when we were trying to do any sort of mini game that required button presses, we had to like sit the controller down on our lap and like hit the buttons Uh. that way. Like you, I couldn't one hand do any, anything like I couldn't do, I couldn't hit face buttons properly. Oh oh. yeah. Missed opportunity. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, uh, and I think we, we had this horrible Shrek video game because we, uh, we're stupid and didn't know that it would be garbage and then we got it and we're like what is this we did have like we had halo and some other shit but yeah that was the main teenager like console launch that we got and we were all like excited and then we did the thing that we always do which is we don't buy any games for it or the games we buy are garbage so like i mean you don't really have a lot of money as a teenager right so you kind of gotta take what you can get yeah Mm -hmm. and that's like so when we had our i don't remember the super nintendo launch i don't remember how we got it i don't remember when we got it i just know that we had it at some point it just appeared in my brain it was just a thing right it's just like a thing that happened to me at some point in my life <laughs> i got 
right after Christmas. I remember tearing the paper poof. Yeah, I mean, my brain's not great at remembering details, especially uh, that yeah. long ago. Yeah, I'm trying to. Do think. you remember? I remember getting mine at Christmas. You're also younger than me, so well, I was like, I got five. mine at Christmas too because that's just what you did when you were. A I mean, kid. I like, assume that it was Christmas, but I have no proof that it was. Christmas. Oh, you don't have a actual an accurate recollection correct i have okay. i have nothing to confirm or deny that this is a christmas gift but i feel like it probably point. was yes yeah. i think the console launch for me that i think i've talked about this before it was the wii mm. i remember the revolution so oh, that came yes. out in 2006 and i was a senior in high school and oh I, my god oh, i was man. uh graduated say, graduated college the next year <laughs> <laughs> i had already graduated boom all right continue <laughs> Well, and so one of my classes was a TA for history. That's a teaching assistant. That's a bullshit class. Oh, it was great because I got Wait, to what do. What was the name of the class? Uh, it was a history slash English split. Wait, what? Yeah, so it was it was bizarre. And she was a teacher's assistant for two teachers. Yeah, essentially. So the way it would work, it was, it was I've never had a class like this before. Is it was one huge room that was the size of two classrooms, but then they would sometimes teach both classes as one and sometimes they would split it because you it, it took over the course of two periods right so sometimes like fourth and fifth period it would be english history sometimes it would just be a whole day of history other times it would be history english and the teachers would like swatch swatch rooms i don't know it was a weird thing that is, that weird. is really weird i i would never put those two courses together because they're so wildly different yeah i don't know what they were doing but that's the thing they did so what i got out of it though was two classes to fuck around in and so I just got to do research on the Nintendo Revolution that was coming, and it was really exciting for me. So I graduated in June, and then November was the midnight launch. And I remember calling Fred Meyer in Target, two Fred Meyers and one Target, to see if there was a line already out. It was like maybe 7 p.m. No, 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 it was earlier than that, probably closer to 5 p.m. I called, like, do you have people in line? Because I didn't pre-order anything. I didn't. And they're like, okay, we have like five people in line. So I t- woke up. So I went to sleep woke up and it turned out there was like 30 people in line by that point because wow. i had overslept and i was very upset 30 people mm. what were you gonna do what i, d- I didn't want to be number 31 i didn't know how many fucking consoles <laughs> yeah because then yeah i was you, upset i wouldn't want to wait in a line and then get there and then be like you didn't get it totally yeah. so I'm and i was like 15 okay. minutes away and i was a paranoid child and i get this way when there's anything coming up that i really want like i want to be like on it and so I called my then boyfriend and he was coming home from a day of hunting with my dad. So he was on his way home and to get home, they had to go by Fred Meyer. And I said, can you get out of the truck? Can you have my dad drop you off at Fred Meyer? And can you get in line for me so I can do this? And he's like, okay, fine. So my dad dropped him off. He's in full That's camo. That's a good boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Full camo, head to toe, deer piss all over him. Gross. They were just out hunting. That's Actually, that's probably the person you want holding your spot in line because nobody else will want to get in line. <laughs> no, they'll be they'll be like leaving the line. You be like, nope, nope. He'll make it up to the front by the time weirdo. you get there because everyone's not going to want to smell you him. You should have asked him to like like put some blood on him. Oh, oh yeah, get in line first. Shit. Um, and then so I immediately got in the car and I like raced there because I was paranoid that I was going to get my wee. Then I got there and there's only like eleven people in line. And then I stood in line for about six or seven hours for the Wii. And that was a wow. fun... I still have, like, the pick the slip that they gave you in line. And it was number 12. And it was, like, this bright pink See, I've slip. never done that. I've never stood in line for almost anything. I mean, I've stood in line for, like, rides at amusement parks. Yeah. But yeah. I've, never, I've never done a console launch or an anything launch where I have to wait. I won't do it. 
it's, it's I only stood of, in line of one game launch, but yeah, never a console launch. Well, anymore, you can just pre-order stuff, and I've gotten good at that, but back then, like, I really wasn't. And so it's kind of like, oh my god, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, oh, it's so exciting. But nowadays, you know, you get your pre-order slip, you just show up to the store, and then give you the console, and then you, like, you bounce. Right. And that's what they do game releases, like, now, too, But right? before technology, you had to just wait in line. Done. Yeah. So that yeah, was you sure fun. did. That was cool. Got home, fired up Twilight Princess, did Wii Bowling. I didn't get a Wii until 2008. Oh, shit, girl. Um, because 2006 was when I had just moved to Los Angeles. And the only console that I owned at the time was my PlayStation 2. Because I had left my um, I'd left my Nintendo 64 and all of my other Nintendo consoles at my dad's house back in North Dakota. And then I brought my PlayStation 2 with because I was, you know, always on that frequency and... Uh, gta by city life Mm -hmm. and then i knew that i wanted to get an xbox 360 but i didn't have the money to buy one at the time and so i started playing xbox 360 with uh on my boyfriend's console and then i eventually got my own and then i was gifted a wii by one of my former bosses because i was hosting at this digital network and i had kept talking about how i wanted to try the wii and so he just gifted me one. Oh, shit. Nice. And I was like, hey, thanks, boss. That's nice. It yeah. Nice. Well, I was making like $25 a day, so I wasn't exactly uh, about to uh, buy one myself. Oh, no. You're like, help me. I'm poor. <laughs> I'm like, I can, I can only eat ramen so many days in a row, and I just want to play Wii Golf. Um, but the console, like the modern console launch that mm-hmm. I think was really impactful for me, um, not thinking about like being a kid, but being an adult, like working in the industry was this last generation launch, mm-hmm. like seeing the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One launch and really being part of the coverage from when the rumors first started circulating about the Xbox 720. You guys remember those? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So um, many flips. <laughs> And then, you know, seeing the reveal events from both Xbox and PlayStation and then how they had these dual launches and going into all of these retail stores and seeing like the blue versus green inside all of the store setups. And it was just a really fun time. and It was a really fun thing to be a part of. I vividly remember plugging in the PlayStation 4 for the first time and listening to the tone of the uh, of like the home screen. And like, I how hate soothing it. it was. Oh, I, you hate well, it. I hate the lo- like whenever you <laughs> the, turn the on your PlayStation 4. And then, like, the before you sign in on your profile, I hate that fucking noise. I hate that tune. It makes me (laughs) so angry. Like, I get irrationally angry whenever I have to turn on my PlayStation because I know I'm going to hear that tone. Why don't you just mute your TV? Because I don't want to. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you get to your theme and then turn the volume up. Because I, I haven't thought about it, Andrea. <laughs> it's just a visceral, it's just a react, like a knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, I hate this fucking tone and it's back I'm again. I'm trying to remember what it sounds like because it's been so long since like, they've shut it off. Boom, 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 boom. It's like these tones. Mm. It's just tones, but mm. there's something offensive about it to me. I'll boot up the PlayStation <laughs> so you okay, can hear, hear it. Yeah, I have to be able to hear this because I haven't shut off my PlayStation in so long. I don't remember what it's like um yeah i have to i have to power mine down now because um all of the games that are in john's library from when he worked for playstation make it like super playstation essentially i have a similar issue because i also worked at playstation so like i just need to turn it off right now and again (laughs) give it a rest yeah like suspend mode is just not an option for me anymore (laughs) yeah he has way more than i do like trying to load all of these things into the library and i'm like stop (laughs) just chill out for a minute 
Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun. It was a it was a fun moment in time being part of that professionally and personally, and kind of getting to be part of a generation from the very beginning. And now it's like coming to an end. It's kind of to, emotional. I think today might be the anniversary of the Xbox One launch. Oh, today? I think so, because I was going through my Facebook memories, and there's a picture of me, because I remember the PS4 and Xbox One launched, I think it was a week apart, mm-hmm. and there's a picture of me, drunk, taking a selfie in the bathroom, mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the Xbox One launch, and I'm drunk and taking a picture in the bathroom. So, yeah. It's a very Speak of the p- devil. Caption. Good timing. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was a fun launch. I just went to Best Buy and hung out in Best Buy. It was all about that Connect life. That's what everybody was playing when Xbox One launched. All the oh Kinect yeah, all the time. I Rise? was. Uh, oh yeah, Dance Central, man. I think I was. I was on the floor when they were talking about Connect. We were like, they just put these fucking ponchos on and we like, they lit us up like during the conference. And I was like, this is weird because <laughs> I worked at IGN at the time, and I was like, this is loud. Should we be part of your show? Should we not have si- agreed to this? Like. I don't know. You just didn't want to wear a poncho. I didn't really didn't want to wear a poncho. <laughs> I'm with you. I hate ponchos. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch. So the 360, I came in on after, you know, after it had launched. But I did like a, a school study on the launch of it. Um, but I do. I find it funny to like look at the launch of those two things and then look at the launch of the Xbox. Um, one and then the PlayStation 4 and just how both consoles like flipped in terms of consumer attitude toward them. Yeah. And it made me really sad because I loved my Xbox 360 and I, you know, obviously disclosure, I worked for Microsoft. Well, not directly for Microsoft, but they were one of our accounts in PR. Um, and so I just had like a natural affinity for that brand and the xbox see, 360 was definitively better than oh, the ps3 yeah i played Fight only me. ps3 exclusives on my ps3 otherwise it never saw the light of day yeah um and then i played literally everything else on my 360 and but yeah and then to like now go into this generation where it's flipped is has been weird and I am just so eager and so curious to see how next gen's gonna go yeah which way is this dice gonna roll which way are we going? Are we going back to Xbox? We go. We, is it going to stay the way it is? I don't know. Time will tell. Time like, will I'm tell. Excited. I'm so excited I think, like, of everything that's happened in my life, I am most excited about what is about to happen mm-hmm. because I have now experienced both sides of the coin, mm-hmm. and I just want to see. And Nintendo's always off doing their own thing, which I respect. It's true. Yeah, it's just one less thing to stress about. Yeah, I always stress about it sometimes. Exactly. Head-to-head comparisons are easier anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it'll be the first console launch that we cover together. Oh, that's games. true. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Right? Midnight launch. Unless, uh, unless we're good enough to get I'm like, yeah, I would. <laughs> I mean, of course we are. I mean, of course we're me getting review consoles. <laughs> hey, we're good after party sent me some cool they mixology didn't send me gifts. cool mixology stuff. Oh, I'm me. the bartender. I know. I, I didn't realize you didn't get it. I just got like I saw a notification for like a random package, but I was like, but I she was got in custom art made. Oh, I did. And I feel like I'm the one who was like, you guys got to check out this game. I feel so left out. It's okay. I share the kit with you. Thank you. Um, we're going to be making drinks with it on the happy yes, hour Q and A in just a little bit. Um, so I did want to quickly touch on that Thanksgiving question that was the runner up. Um, mm. just because it, we are going into Thanksgiving next week, and I thought it was kind of a fun one. So it was basically what are your must-haves cocktails for Thanksgiving? So every Thanksgiving, I make an appetizer 
that is my dad's recipe and it is a spinach and artichoke dip that mm, is I to die it. for mm. it's essentially three kinds of cheeses yes um, um marinated canned artichokes and frozen spinach frozen is the key because i tried it with fresh spinach one year when i was like i'm gonna make this super organic and healthy and when you use fresh spinach that hasn't already been blanched it turns the whole thing green is that bad yes i mean not from a flavor perspective but from a visual perspective it looks terrifying Uh, okay because it's not like just like a dark green it's like a bright ass green that actually sounds fun um and so i the, but like the like texture a, was off because the fresh spinach has a lot more water in it yes than yeah, the, you have to like the blanched frozen stuff i don't know what you're about to say oh. but i'm very excited well i was saying you could do it like at halloween and make it like oh. a like a booger dip there it is i knew you were gonna say something <laughs> slimy yes i didn't think about that but maybe we'll have to try that next year i could just tell you that look in your eyes i was like i'm, I'm like, excited oh. oh boy <laughs> the brain wheels are a turning <laughs> I love it. But the key, of course, is a lot of garlic powder. Oh. It's delicious. It's really good. So that's one of my favorite things. I'm trying to think. I mean, we just usually... No, my mom makes a really good green bean casserole. Mm, that's I kind love of like some green bean casserole. Yeah, that's like the iconic thing. And then I just love the Costco pies. I'm just going to be that bitch. And just oh, I mean, the Costco pies I mean, Costco pumpkin pie oh. is like goat. Oh, my God. It's so good. It makes yeah. me want to go pick one up right now. Let's go to Costco. <laughs> get some pumpkin pie. Get some pumpkin pie. Get some edible undies. And we can get some uh, Oreos because I now oh, no, have a random hankering for them. Yeah. Oreos they do sound delicious. I just drink whiskey too on Thanksgiving. I don't have like a special cocktail that I drink. I feel yeah. like you just are like I just a, do wine usually. Like a whiskey person at any occasion. I kind of am. Yeah. But I do appreciate that when we do stuff from time to time, you'll be like, I want to try some of that. And then I you do. make a face. And then I make and a face. And we all know you hate it, but you won't say you hate it. But sometimes she makes faces and then she wants more of it anyway. Like wine. That's the self-loathing that's in her. (laughs) Self-loathing. I think it's just her strong strong desire to want to fit in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, you know, it's a thing. I had some wine last night that tasted kind of weird, but kind of good. I don't remember what it was. Good weird. It was the it was a, a rosé of Grenache Gris, which is very uh, different. There's not a lot of rosés that are made from Grenache Gris, and the thing that's different about it is that it doesn't get its color from time on the skins. It gets it's get, it gets its color because the grape is just that color. The juice is like well, now that I want to try it. I was I interested because you said that you tasted did. like juice. It's one of the few. Is it low alcohol? No. Okay. But like something about the aftertaste just reminded me so much of like actual grape juice and mm-hmm. wine usually doesn't taste that way. Wait, so Brittany, you were or not were not a fan? Uh, after the third sip, it was better. I told her it tasted like maybe the grapes had sat out in the sun for too long. You know, like when people put like fruit or vegetables on the windowsill to like cook them just a little longer. Like I've literally never heard of this. Pluck now. a tomato. It's a little green. Is that on the windowsill. a real thing? You mean to ripen it? Thank you. Or cook it. Like, not to who cook cooks it. Their fucking to fruit to, ri- to ripen cook, it. Cook it naturally with the sun's UV rays. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it, it, that it tastes like the grapes were cooking too long. That's all. I'm saying. Okay, okay. They were enough. overripe, overcooked. I don't. I actually don't disagree with you now that I've you've communicated accurately what you were tasting. Listen, Andrew, you gotta <laughs> learn to speak Brittany. I'm surprised I haven't even learned a little bit, and we've known each other as long as we have. You're getting there. Um, but yeah, I like drinking at Thanksgiving too. It's fun. Yeah, everyone just gets hammered. It's great. I, I have napkins that I get every year. It says, I am thankful for a family who drinks. Mm. Oh my gosh, I need those. Mm-hmm. I never drank, uh, like when I, it was just my, is it nuclear? Is that what you call it? Your nuclear yeah. family? Um, 
that we never drank even when i was older we never did but now when i go to my aunt's house there's always like wine and stuff so oh, i will yes. i will drink the wine and have a have a glass and enjoy but my i mean my favorite basic bitch thanksgiving food is obviously mashed potatoes and gravy yeah it's like uh-huh. fucking delicious um but what i'm in charge of this year is macaroni and cheese Ooh. uh because i make f- some pretty bomb ass mac and cheese if i do say so myself Have you ever because i use like fancy no, cheese she's never made us mac and cheese Brittany. you want me to make you mac and cheese obviously yes. okay yeah i'll do it um yeah, I made it at Jackie's house once last year when we were like decorating her house for Christmas. So yeah, I'm happy to come oh. make more. I I use like like I literally spend too much money on the cheese. I go to I Whole Foods. Games can maybe carve out some money in the budget yeah. for cheese. I use like Manchego and Guerrero and like all that, and I like a little bit of mozzarella, a little, and then really nice cheddar. Oh. Like I, I go, I go hard with the cheese selection. I have to throw Andrea out between us so I can just kind of get a little closer to you. Wow, it's getting hot and heavy cheese. talking mm-hmm. about, about Manchego up in here, dude. Manchego is the fucking greatest cheese of all time. I know what that is. Ooh. What I would throw down for Manchego because raw milk Manchego. Raw milk Manchego. Oh, I bet, I bet you that is. Oh my god. Um, so how about I sign off? we love you guys we hope that you're thinking about food now and that you have a fantastic Thanksgiving next week we of course will see you next Friday during Black Friday sales um, we hope that you guys find some good deals play some games enjoy your time with your friends and family or make that money if you're working we love you guys goodbye